Oh, welcome to Pledge of Valorant. We got ourselves a little Ryan Central on the show. Look at that. We're going to be doing a Peepo Lad episode. <laughs> what <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. Avast is, is once more outnumbered by the British. Dude, I'm always with the British every time. I don't know how it ends up with me and British people, no matter what. But it's just it's what happens. For some reason, you appear to be attracted to them. You surround yourself with Jack, yeah. me, Bren. I mean... What other British people do you know? I, th I think is like a stand all, user. We all, yeah, that's Except what it the is. British people are other stand British users. People. <laughs> I don't know why I'm going with this analogy. I was going to say that we can all bant, you know? The most most banterish American man with yeah. the least banterish Brits. I mean, you look... What is this? Oh, this, this is, is you playing Lego, Lego, Indiana Lego Indiana Jones. With another British person. Yeah. Dude, I, I shit you not. The, the Lego games have some of the hardest challenges known to mankind. I'm not, I'm, I, I shit you not. Like, you should see, you would think that Jaws and I are, like, we we have, like, some, we've been ingested an incredible amount of lid paint chips or something <laughs> when you play this game. You would think that we are the dumbest motherfuckers on earth when you watch us play this game. It is incredible. But also, I'm it's not a terrible port. It's a terrible port. You can't jump off half the shit in the Steam remote play. So, you know. It's, hmm. I'm, I'm just... Gonna... I'm surprised that we were on this conversation for such a short amount of time before the Indiana gameplay came out. <laughs> <laughs> any excuse, any excuse, bow it's in front of us. Exactly. Well, exactly. The port's, right there. Is the port not good? It's because there's a, a remarkable amount of bugs. And so the issue is like, uh, when you're playing on Steam Remote Play, you have to jump. There's a bu well-known bug to jump off moving objects to get onto things. You can't do it. Like, have properly you, have you tried play. limiting your FPS? Are we doing a patch out <laughs> Lego part? <laughs> oh, oh, no. I want to get to the bottom of this. You have to understand. This is the clear my name. There's the well-known bug, so you can't jump off half the shit in the game. And so, like, you, oh, <laughs> look at this. Look, I mean, you have to put the motorcycles on so, the fucking buttons, but you can't control them properly before we because move on. the controls are dog shit. Okay, move on. Let's have move you on. tried? So this is a this is a problem with the first Dark Souls One port because they didn't port it properly to PC. <laughs> I got on just real quick. Just move, we got to move on. Real quick, we got to get out of here. You, we got to get out of here. Try limiting your it's FPS to what the FPS is when it's being played on console. It's probably like thirty. If I was to guess. We cannot be going down this much of a tangent <laughs> in the first three minutes. I might fix because sometimes the physics here. in these games are attached to the FPS. Yes, I mean like COD Pro Mod. <laughs> we go back to talking about nut jumping. Alright, okay, okay. Uh, Alright, I'm done. I'm done. Alright, thank you. Tangent this, over. This Le <laughs> this Lego Indiana Jones podcast is brought to you by NordVPN. <laughs> Except it actually is. <laughs> NordVPN have been kind enough to partner with us for this episode so you could uh, you can go to nordvpn.com slash valochat or you don't even have to follow that url right if you're a, a rebel a rogue and you just want to type in you make your own way to their website you can just use the code valochat and you'll be there you'll be getting all of the discounts so what happens if i use that code josh what, well, what happens if we use the code I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. You get a massive discount on an NordVPN plan that you buy, plus one month free, and then a special secret bonus gift. Oh, mm, there what you go. I wouldn't tell you, otherwise it wouldn't be a secret, would it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the, uh, we're happy to be promoting NordVPN because they are an excellent VPN. They, uh, the, the best one that I have ever used in terms of just being extremely simple to set up, very easy to be able to access whatever you need to. 
you know, we block plat chat in 90% of countries, so you're going to need a VPN in order to access it's this. True. Especially when we run copyrighted content that you're not able to... Like the to, Lego series. Yeah, it's like, well-known fact that yeah, we are constantly copyrighting we didn't Lego. Play, we didn't play any of the soundtrack, though, so it's okay. It's yeah, okay. yeah, but if we were even blocked... If, even if you just show little Lego pieces, Denmark comes for your fucking ass. Yeah, so uh, if you're in Denmark, hop onto NordVPN, connect to, for example, Canada, or, yeah. I don't know, Mexico, or... Antigua. Anywhere where the Anywhere. Denmark Lego fascist regime doesn't hold you <laughs> under control. <laughs> kind of weird how full circle this has actually come, all things considered. <laughs> it's all about the tiebacks. It's all about the uh -huh. tiebacks. So anyway, yeah, thanks to NordVPN and go and check them out. Go and check out our partners. All right, let's crack on with the actual Valorant stuff, huh? Do we all Are we all in agreement? We could stop talking about Lego Indiana Jones. Well, I've been yes. thinking about Elden Ring speedrun. <laughs> Shut <laughs> your <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Okay, I want to start talking about Valorant. The big the big thing that happened that's outside of the games, we'll definitely dig into the games, and most of this episode is going to be EMEA-focused. That's why we've brought Ryan on. But starting things out, Sean Gares uh, yesterday just announced in two big tweets that he's uh, not going to be at Masters 1, and that's not even really the headline. The headline really here is that after negotiations have presumably broke down for Masters 1, he's decided to step back completely from talent. Um, so presumably has something else lined up i mean sentinels have said before that they were interested in hiring him as a coach and shaz did say they have somebody like ready to announce next week so the sentinels players have been jumping on this social media chain yeah with i don't know just Could some of the shaz's post, Dabba's post the sentinels twitter posted eyes or something oh, did they? yeah but um yeah sean is is so talented that i think one, I'm obviously really glad he's staying in the scene, but you know, well, anything he pivots into, you don't know that scene, actually. Well, that's true, actually. I don't know that, but he said that he's staying involved with the competitive side in the initial tweet. Right, right, okay. So I'm, I'm happy for that, and the guy is so talented and knowledgeable that he's, he's going to be able to have impact in whatever he moves into. But I cannot stress how disappointed I am that he's not involved with Masters One, mm. because in my eyes, he really is the premium analyst. No offense to you. <laughs> the premium no, analyst agree, and agree. you, Ryan. Connor, I don't Appreciate think it. I could even quote. I, 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 mean, I haven't had any broadcast work, technically. <laughs> so I can't be included in the conversation. No, I, I mean, all jokes to. aside, though, he, he really is a fantastic analyst. And yep. he provided so much value to the broadcast. And the fact that he's not involved in the first international tournament of 2022, of the 2022 circuit, I think is so... I just find it incredibly disappointing um, overall. Yeah, it's a bit bizarre. And also, you can see those ripples affecting other people as well. Like, I saw tweets from, I mean, a bunch of people, but the one that comes to mind because he tweeted this morning was Dust, where he said something like, if Sean's getting stiff for this, then it makes me worried about my future involved in Valorant. And that's just a normal thing for other talent to think about. Yeah. And the more of these instances happen, the closer you are to the talent just collective bargaining and fucking up the devs. And I don't think that's a situation that they would want to happen either. So it, it does seem to be a recurring pattern right now, the undervaluing of broadcast talent within a bunch of different esports right now. I mean, CDL, yeah. Overwatch League... Uh, here as well. I mean, actually, uh, Riot over at LEC had some weird stuff happening with Shocks at the beginning I mean, of the season. It's been too. pretty well yeah, known. Yeah. I think I remember. I mean, actually, I don't know how much I'm even allowed to talk about. But essentially, like, I, I remember when I met Papa Smithy in Korea when he was talking about it with LCK, and like, uh, like there's like tons and tons of instances across even the large, what is legitimately the largest global esport League of Legends, how it happens all the time. 
and broadcasters don't feel like they're getting valued. So it, it does. There's also there is a serious. I mean, Mitch posted a tweet about this where he said, if you want to get into casting in Valorant, become a co-streamer. And, you know, I can't argue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it certainly is a weird time. If you to want to become a caster in general, become a streamer. Yeah, it's, just become a content creator. <laughs> yeah, so, it's not really a job where you uh, instances like this where Sean can be one of the best in his fields and doesn't get the opportunity to work at this event like Masters One. I, I believe that he said that. Uh, what was the initial tweet here? He said um, didn't make the talent cut for Masters One, which mm -hmm. implies that there wasn't an offer even sent. Uh, from yeah. That, right. Yeah. That's, that's the implication. What I would be implying. Yeah. Um. I mean, what what does that tell you? I mean, I, I feel like any talent that are looking at this, including myself, like the natural thing to look at this is like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at this and you're thinking, <laughs> it doesn't matter how well I do. There's still the possibility that I don't get to work the events. Like, yeah. am I not rewarded for my efforts? Like, yeah. Sean is one of the most passionate, talented people in the scene, and it. It is a big, I, I don't know. It's well, a red flag yeah, is how a, I look at it. It's a red flag. There, there are obviously other reasons, right? They might want to trial new talent at the beginning of the year and move up, up to their biggest, most experienced talent for yeah. like Masters 3 or Champions or something like that. They might just want a different tone for the broadcast or, or whatever. But the people who are at the top expect it to be like, or at least have some element of meritocracy where you are valued for your high work. And also, if you miss out on an event like this, that's also a fairly big, like, pay slash well, you, for your You're not, your you're not doing year, anything so. for months. Yeah, yeah. If you don't do Masters <laughs> 1 in the lead of tour, right? It's like, yeah. the, next, the next time you might be doing stuff in the scene in terms of casting would be, uh, I guess, May if you're doing early stuff. Mm. And then when it gets, like, serious and wraps up into playoffs. Anyway, I don't want to... Spend two, I've been talking for ages. Yeah, but also this does open the, the door a little bit to a conversation about the like what Sean could be doing. Oh, like yeah. if, if he went into a coaching role or something like that, I feel like he'd <laughs> still be slaying it. This was Shaz's tweet showing, <laughs> showing them on stage together with Sick as well. That's my organization. Yeah. You, do this you fits. own it? You're Ben Spoont now, are you? Yep. Yeah, I, I speak for Ben Spoont. <laughs> I. I, I <laughs> Yeah, I, I do think that Sean, it's going to be interesting too because it's, I mean, we're going to talk about it later, but there's been like, he could do the inverse, like, I guess not quite the inverse coach Trippy, but with Trippy going to like become a player and mm. now Sean like moving broadcast down with a coach, it's like, it's interesting the movement that happens within the scene. And I, I mean, everyone's saying Sentinels because like that's the most obvious fit. They need a coach and they like Sean and Sean has worked with Shazam and mm. in the past so it's like is there i mean it feels like square peg square you know square hole type of thing so yeah do you it's also like do you prefer square well. pegs yeah <laughs> Go on. what were you saying ryan I, I i think like it says a lot as well that they brought raucous to champions as well like it's less of having somebody that's gonna go we're gonna use these like set strategies we're gonna go about this way it's more somebody that is a bit more of a bird's eye view for the team to help them point out stuff which is obviously something that sean could do quite well so i think he's perfect for what sentinels have been wanted to have in the past and knowing sean like he has a good amount of ideas about the game so it would be really cool. It would also be even cooler as well. This is pure like tinfoil hat stuff I'd love to see. Mike's been like the assistant coach, like this Immortal Minds duo actually like <laughs> running the team. That's so funny, actually. And, 
that'd be that'd be really good to see. But I think the overall thing about Sean is he is in a position where not a lot of talent are, where he is valued in that sort of pro mindset. I almost think like a lot of talent, the pro scene would be like X person doesn't know anything about the game. So Sean, the fact that he can take it in that direction to be involved in the pro scene, he's going to have broadcast opportunities if he decides to come back. That door's always open for him. But that door on him actually being involved in teams and having these opportunities that are at least consistent, which something like international events are just not, speaking from experience of Valorant, they're just not. I think it's like the right thing for him to do because it leverages him, again, talent-wise in the future. For example, if franchising happens in two to three years' time, maybe that's when Sean will come back because that's something a bit more consistent and something that he can gain value from i suppose yeah i think that's a, a very good point um <laughs> we would treat you right says dapper you know dapper and tens are going to be bunking for the playoffs yeah didn't yeah. know that yeah there you yeah. go maybe, i mean it's maybe sean can get in as well see, the only thing that gets posted is every time tens talks about ping or justifying <laughs> why he lives in la it's like yeah yeah fair enough yeah. adult male justifies why he lives in a place because he wants to <laughs> Views That's really YouTube. what that clip was. I watched that clip this morning and it was 10 saying, I'm living in LA because there's a lot of stuff to do here and it's better for my mental and I like it. Yeah. And people are like, no, it was <laughs> You're being forced. I don't know. It's fucking mad, isn't it? It's mad. All right. Anyway, let's talk about some, let's talk about some North American Valorant before we go any further. So Cloud9 and Virtual One, they ended this week going undefeated in the group. So both teams went five and zero in their group. Uh, they both actually finished with a fairly one-sided affair as well. Uh, Cloud9, the game was 1-2, or rather 2-1 over the guard, and Version 1 beat Sentinels 2-0. Uh, let's start with the Cloud9 Version 1, sorry. Let's start with the Cloud9, the guard game to begin with. Um, our expectations going into this, I think we all picked Cloud9. Um, am I right yes. in saying that? I think we. No, actually, know? I picked no. Guard. I picked Guard. I picked Guard. Ah, I, yeah. I, guard. yeah, I right. was the dissenter. And honestly, Map 1, I felt like. Dude, Map 1 was dope. Yeah, Map yeah. 1, the Guard came out swinging. They were running the Ascend comp. They got the Brimstone. They knew what they were doing. It felt more like. It actually feels currently like Bind has not changed too much from patch to patch. But Ascent and Haven definitely have. And to me, that was my big picture takeaway was just that the guard had done a lot of homework on Bind, but they hadn't yet fleshed out Ascent and Haven to the same degree that Cloud9 had when it came to the new meta with like Omen being used. Yeah, I was definitely feeling like they, like, like you said, Bind was sick. Like we, I had some, we, I had the clips for this one as part of our homework, Your you homework. know. homework. Part of my homework here that Josh assigns us at the end of our week and then determines if we get a gold star or not. <laughs> but I do think that overall that that that's the right read. They did a lot of a lot of homework when it came to bind. They had like really, really good setups. They did some classic guard stuff where they were working map really well. The utility was always fantastic and, and synchronized here. And, and C9 very much, I think they struggled pretty heavily at times to deal with just like how aggressive they were able to just like control the map and there's like hit sites off of the utility. But it wasn't like it was a bad match. It was close. It was back and forth. Like there was lots of really good moments. C9 had some really cool things where like, um, I believe on like, if you go to round eight, Kurt, like on where they're retaking for B and they just have like really cool nade setups and they deny plants when mm. they've been just taking yeah. time off. The That's the round where know? the nade comes over the top. Yes. To the, they've got the molly, they've got the nade. Oh, no, the and then here comes the from, nade yeah. and it just completely ruins them. And, and the other thing is, yeah. and, and look at that. I mean, like combo. They, there's just like actually nothing they can do. And then they come and retake here anyways with Zeppo with the, with the showstopper, just clean up. 
just to make sure they can't get the plant. And so C9 had answers. They had responses. Like it wasn't like it was by no means one-sided. It was just guard looking really, really clean on bind. And I think that's really the most that when we get look at bind as a whole, we can just see like, okay, it was a good map. The real story is what happens after yeah, bind, yes. I feel, for guard. Because Ascent, I don't even think they've played terribly. I just feel like C9 had, like you said, they'd evolved much better, like their comps, their understandings of the maps, how they wanted to play them. And they just kind of got rolled in smoke by like Leaf and, and Zeta and Zeppa. Like they, legitimately, they just played fucking incredible. Like C9 played really, really well on the last two maps and yeah. Guard just didn't, couldn't keep up. And particularly I'm, I'm a little bit confused by why the Guard went back away from the comp because they started putting the Sage in their Ascent comp. They did, yeah. After I, they I, played against Knights. I thought they would keep the Sage in their composition here too because it's just mm -hmm. so obnoxious to play against. But I, I don't really know. I thought that would have applied a lot of pressure to Cloud9's attack half. But really, when you look at how Cloud9 run their attack half here, previously on the prior meta, I felt like Cloud9 did a lot of like burst plays into sites and it actually didn't work very well for them. Do you remember that period of time where Cloud9 was getting like two attack rounds on Ascent? They were like really struggling hard on this map. And I feel like it was because they were doing a lot of pop execs into Astra Killjoy utility and really struggled with it. This was them working the map super effectively to find picks off the back of the Paranoia and Leaf. They didn't really go for those big execs either in the mid round or the late round. They kind of, they, they worked an advantage early on and then went in. There was one round where they just bursted in with the KO ultimate when the guard couldn't do anything about it. But other than that, I felt like it was a really smart approach of being able to maximize Vanity's potential on the Omen and set up Leaf on Jet, which Leaf wasn't playing Jet map one, and he came alive so fucking hard in map two and map three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was definitely, and it felt like that was the story as well, like when we got the Haven, but like just looking through some of the clips, like when we talk about map control, like right, you know, we were actually watching the clip, Kurt, you were going, you're on the clip, go back, go back to, to round eight. Kurt, because you see, like, there'd be times where even in, in the scrappy fights after they've lost players, they'd make sure to work the map, have Mitch working through mid a lot. Because I felt like there was def definitely an NA comparatively to some of the EU matches I watched. There's still a lot of like mid pressure comparatively, like EU when I was watching. And then they have Mitch just lurk through, get a kill. Now they can re enter here onto site, play off Jin, and like they're still playing slow, waiting for these rotations, and they're just working every extremity still. And this is what mm -hmm. C9 did like so often. And I, I felt like the return of Vanity uh, onto the Omen allowed them a lot of these opportunities as well because like you said the paranoia the double flash just let them set up leaf continuously throughout the whole series and, and it, it continued on to haven where then they got the, the fucking yeah. triple flash comp and it was just <laughs> yeah. like and but that's not even like anti that's not even like that's pretty meta because that's what version one well, played been, as well yeah they've yeah. been playing that breach in the, the sky a lot more my my narratives coming into this match were like the guard, which has have been like this this massive meteoric rise in recent times in a, in one patch. Obviously, uh, the big question was, can they adjust? And was that experience diff of Cloud Nine, obviously having a lot more playtime together, going to manifest itself in the series? And I think it did. But what it showcased to me is that if you give the guard a lot of time, they are going to be able to adjust to the patch with enough time I because so. their bind comp showcased that. I think they pulled out a comp that other teams had already played but they they really do give them a bit of time to prep on a given map with an idea with an identity and a comp and they will succeed eventually it's just that i don't think they had enough time going from week four to week five to not play their old comps on ascent and haven and things like that they basically had to stick with their default stuff which had been heavily nerfed and they're playing against cloud nine that are really experienced and so good at being able to just essentially swap out one key piece like 
the, yeah, the big thing yeah. I had coming into it was the guard rely a ton on the Astra, and then when she was nerfed, I was like, well, what is? Yeah. How is it gonna? How's it gonna work out for them? I do also think though that one of the undersold elements of the guards run is how hot their players are, like the form right now. And I fear that this meta will put a dampener on that form because instead of just feeling mega confident, you can't lose, you're, you're dueling everybody, you're overwhelming them with utility, you feel like you're hitting every shot. If you have a period of time after that hot streak where you have to take a break, refigure your comps, you're losing a little bit more, and then getting back up to that level, your confidence gets knocked, I think, or at least it's likely that that could happen. And one of the things that I was noticing a lot between map one and map three was that in map one, all of those mid-round moments where someone takes a duel, the guard were winning them. They were sk actually skill diffing Cloud9 a lot. And I think it's that, that confidence, the feeling that you can just never lose. They're swinging, they take the shot, they hit it. In these, the final two maps, especially map three, it felt like every one of those pivotal mid-round duels was going the other way. And so even though Cloud9 had set up the rounds really well and they'd done the strategic stuff a lot better, even the mid-round just dueling that had previously been going the way of the guard, now Cloud9 were winning it. And it meant that they went from Haven is the guard's best map and they got blown out. What was it, 13-2 or something? Yeah, yeah it was a it was a destruction. It was yeah. actually like... But the thing is, they didn't... I don't even think they played incredibly poorly. It's just C9 just beat them at the game like like they actually legitimately just put outplayed yeah. them on every level but i don't think they were even playing that bad like i look at their how guard was playing and they were still getting frags they still had like good ideas it's just they got outpaced they got out tempoed they got out stratted and they got out fragged like uh, yeah. honestly like I, I feel still confident in the guard moving forward here it's just clear that c9 are just it's also the individual skill of c9 is just fucking bananas like yeah, Kurt, go to go to round 12 with the title uh with the title it's titled korean breach uh go to <laughs> round 12 and it's just it's it's zeta just i mean look at this like and this is c9 once when these mid rounds are so good because they're playing the 2v3 retake and they they make sure even though they don't get any kills there from that flank zeta still plays here in sewers he gets the ult, solo ults gets the 3k gets the clutch like it's just the it's such a good adjustment for them to make sure to rotate back through long so they can give zeta some you know it's dangerous it's a, it's a risky play because they could have just doubled up and kill them really quickly but he had the utility to work off it and they did stuff like that all the time where the utility just fucking dominated them on haven in particular on haven in particular the triple flash setup was was just like it, just crushing them crushing yeah, them was. like so often yeah. and then even then like he just walks in off the fault line here the fault line from b he walks out goes back there and then they set him up here again because sure there's a there's a fight happening here but then leafish is already here again and he just gets like three kills like it's just <laughs> fucking disgusting yeah it's just fucking disgusting man it is yeah um okay so the other big match for on the other side of things was version one playing against sentinels and version one had finished that undefeated um i was the only person to go for a punt on sentinels and I wish I hadn't. The I said last week, the only reason I was going for Sentinels was because of the new patch. And version 1 not only adapted to the new patch really well, but it just didn't help Sentinels. It was the same old problems. So I shan't be doing that ever again. <laughs> no faith anymore. <laughs> I, I shall just predict the better team instead of trying to predict patch results. Um, version 1 looked... I, I know each map was relatively close, but version 1 looked... Far superior, I think. 
I guess the first map wasn't close, but it started close. It was like 3-3 at the beginning, and I was, was like, oh, good. maybe it's looking all right. And then version one just ran away with it. Yeah. Haven did end up being close. So I think it was 13-11, yeah. So, yeah. but even on Haven, it just felt like version one were by far the better team. Yeah, they definitely felt way like i think on ascent in particular they were miles ahead of them i also had way more clips the first ascent, but i realized the kurt was like asking for our predictions and i tabbed out of the the comment i was editing so i lost all the clips <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so i had to go back and re-add them but i have a couple here still but like moments like i feel like in general moments like this where v1 was just clean on ascent. they were just clean like i don't even think this was like something where they were necessarily out fragging them or getting like unlucky mid-round picks or like that like v1 just they consistently had good sight hits and it's something that makes them so deadly as a team and potentially like the best team in north america right now is because they're just monsters on attack they always get like they always get i i, I mean i said they work teams like pizza dough and this is once again a multi <laughs> bene situation because fucking sentinels are they they had no map control at any point the the re hits from yeah. v1 where they do that classic they back up force a lot of util then they just wait, re-hit the site afterwards, and Sentinels just had no answer to it, like, most of the time on Ascent. And then even going on to Haven, that happened, like, several different times. Dude, V1 are real, though. They yeah, are absolutely the real deal. They look like... They, it looks like Cloud9 and version 1 should be going to Reykjavik. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? It definitely feels like it. I mean, yeah, V1 just... Something about it as well. Them playing their older comp that theoretically is weaker compared to what Sentinels are running because they're running the Omen in comparison, mm. and yet they don't feel limited by it because it wasn't the comp that was carrying them in a lot of times. The comp enables them really well in terms of their set plays and shit, but just the, the clean fundamentals, a little pop flash, three yeah. of them swing, the spacing is perfect so they can't all get sprayed down. Like, it's, it's the drilled-in fundamentals of V1 that make them so goddamn scary. But then Xander was nasty on the Omen when he played it on Haven too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. They're like they. It was. It's not like Xander has is now lacking. Dude, Xander it's, is a Xander. I can't remember who tweeted this after this game, but I absolutely agree with it. It was one of the pros tweeted uh, that Xander is the most impactful pickup of the off season, yeah. and I hundred percent agree. And I can't think. I mean, maybe, maybe like. The formation of Loud in Brazil or Onslayers in Korea or something could compete. But if I think we're Trent talking... is like in the yeah, categories. Yeah, I think Trent is in the category. Would I say he beats out Xander? Also, the cool thing about this sure. play too is that Zelsus absolutely KO'd if sick this entire series. And yes, this is did. like one of those moments again where like sick is getting ready to pop the KO to walk in so they have no util. And Zelsus just immediately pops it before. So they have, so now they have no util yeah. to, to re-clear. Yeah. And that's why Xander's able to get this ace. You know, the, because amazing. their entire plan gets demolished by the, Zelsus. When, when they were in the opposite scenario as well, um, there was a round, I can't exactly remember which one it was, but we were casting it. And uh, Zelsus was defending A and both of the KOs had alt again. And Zelsus is just holding his alt, waiting for the sound cue from sick. So that as soon as Sick pops his ult, he has like a second before the pulse hits him, maybe less, to hit his ult and both teams are suppressed. And if he doesn't have that presence of mind to be like, you know, finger on the button of his ultimate. Just holding then, in his hands. Yeah, he's literally just holding it, waiting to go. Then his team just completely loses that round. I think that was the round where it ended up being a 1v2 and Zelsus ended up losing anyway. But the point being, the thought process is like really fucking good from Zelsus right now. I think it's between him and Zeppa for who the best KO in the world is actually currently. Mm -hmm. um, and then you see here just like for retakes, like now this yeah. is just funny because Tins is like trying to play the edge of the smoke. 
<laughs> he's just full blind. But like, it's just their, their util is good. Their util is so good. The triple flash comp on Haven is definitely looking pretty meta because it allows you to set up your jet incredibly. Like, there's just so, especially when you fall off the paranoia where you can just clear out a whole channel of the map as like you enter. It just when you have three flashes, it's it's fucking nasty. So it is really cool to see V1. I think they are the real deal for sure. I I just want to blast some stats at you that I said a little bit during the show as well, just to showcase how ridiculous version one are. Numbers. Right? Numbers. They before this match, so I haven't run the numbers afterwards, they average an eight four half on attack. That's already nuts. Mm -hmm. They average ten post plants out of 12 for their attack half. So they get the spike down 10 out of 12 times on average. And then they're also, um, their win rate when they are down a player is 47%. I, I, that's like, you want, what's the, the, average? the average is 28. I think it's about, yeah. The average is like 25 uh, to 28. Uh, when I ran it last year, it was 28. Apparently people are saying it's now 25, but like, Holy fuck. If you're only supposed to win those rounds a quarter of the time and you're like a fraction off winning them a half of the time, your your half your your win rate would be half like if you just if you thought your opponent was as good as you, you're expected to win half the time, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're winning half the time even if you're down a player, it's that's There's another one as well where they're in 5v4s. I think they have the biggest win rate there as well. So yeah, the, when the they 5v4 have conversion is 84%. God. Yeah. And that's the highest out of EMEA teams as well, because I was curious to see who was doing the most, because, you know, I think of like FPX as a team that when they're in 5v4 situations, they weren't very good at capitalizing, right? So I was curious to see who was the cleanest. And in a lot of those kind of like scenarios, Version one is ridiculously high when it comes to yeah. like those kind of stats. So I ran and just all of those. shows how regimented they are too. If you it just does. constantly convert off of picks or like you're down a person, it just means that you are just more drilled than the, I, than anyone else. I've run these kind of stats before for champions in Berlin, and the teams that normally put up those numbers are teams like Vision Strikers that dominate their own region and they don't have as much competition. So, okay, it bears the question: Did version one have no competition? They went undefeated in Group B. And then you think about the teams they faced. Absolutely not. Sentinels, Optic. I mean, Rise was in a slump. It doesn't but feel Rise, like they went undefeated. But yeah, Rise had ups and downs. I can't remember if they... I mean, I mean it doesn't feel they, like they went uncontested. Sorry, they sure. did go undefeated. Yeah, did they have their... I don't know. The point is, Group B was absolutely the hardest group, uh, I think. Apart from Cloud9. I mean, I don't think the Garda X set were pushovers either. No, absolutely but, not. But mm. in terms of but it's the not. peaks that I saw out of Optic, yeah, were just Optics I think map went over version the one peaks that we amazing. saw from Optics. Knights were improving week on week on week. NRG were having incredibly close matches between a lot of these teams. And then the game against version one was their closest. Yeah, yeah. and then Rise were just this hot and cold team that I mean, yeah, they kind yeah, of they kind of kind of fell over a little bit. But yeah, in the end. Yeah, without a doubt, in my mind, I think Group B is the hardest, and they're five and zero, and they're dominant in it. Yeah, five and zero, and putting up stats like you wouldn't believe. Like the if you just looked based on stats, you'd expect Version One to be the best team in North America right now. But I think that conversation is a big question until they face Cloud Nine, uh, just because of how good Cloud Nine are also looking. I mean, you've got two like amazing players right now. I, th just the the players as well, Leaf and Penny have both been nuts. Absolutely nuts. Wardell? <laughs> Wardell? 
<laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about the teams on the on the wrong side of these matches, though, a little bit. So the guard and sentinels. Um, we were talking about the patch impact. And I think we've covered the guard quite a bit in terms of how they mm -hmm. adapted to the patch. But what about Sentinels? I was expecting them to benefit from this patch. I think Anders, when he was on Valoranting, said, if Sentinels don't succeed on patch 4.04, they are a tier two team. And while that's a, a you know, deliberately inflammatory take, I think if we consider tier one to be the teams you think have a chance of winning this or going to Reykjavik or something like that, uh, Sentinels kind of do look like they're on the outside looking in right now. They look like maybe the sixth best team in North America. You could make an argument for fifth, something like that. What What was your read on them in that version one game? How do you think they're going to be looking as they head into playoffs? I personally thought that they I I don't know we only we didn't we only saw two maps out of them right so it's yeah. like but we've seen so much of their other play coming up to this point to where when you compare it to version one. It felt like they didn't have near. It felt it felt like they didn't have nearly as much execute. Like in particular, attack halves. Like what happened a lot is like they would get bogged in chokes frequently, where because their their utility would be staggered often. It wouldn't all come out at once, and that's something that like when you compare it to version one and how they hit sites, the reason they're so effective is because their util is extremely drilled. It hits at the same time. They're into the site, and Sentinel still struggles pretty heavily, I think, to get onto sites and like hits where they have to get all their util out and set up tens. Um, mm. And I feel like that's like happening a lot to them. When so I'm I, like, well, first of all, like, I don't know. Does that even uh, already from that, if you can't even like hit sites with like properly timed util, if you're struggling with that at times, it is going to be tough to like really get better. I think just like <laughs> win a, a LAN type of situation. Your, your cat's adorable. What? <laughs> yes. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be a dick. No, no, it's because <laughs> I'm just gaming was like, um, I still think they're the best team in North America. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't. She doesn't like to be ignored while we're at the PC. So. Makes sense. Mm. Makes okay. sense. The the thing that I remember or recall from from Sentinels as well in this new patch was already I thought the patch would suit them as well because it's almost like a bit of a hard reset in terms of the thing that they struggled with in champs was playing against these teams that had set up these big trap plays that were really punishing them. The thing that the meta has developed to was like teams having those ideas that they can layer into their already fantastic fundamentals or overall game plans and they, they kind of fell behind in that in terms of just the evolution of the game uh, over the last few months in my opinion i mean some say it's because they weren't practicing they they're disputing that but i, I do think it's pretty evident just watching the games that there is a bit of a gulf between them and other teams when it comes to that um, comfortability when it comes to that but the meta was supposed to reset that to a degree yeah and i didn't see it as much and also, it, it wasn't helped that I think it got compounded, you know, 10s, if we look at the stats of this, of this match, um, I don't know He's if you saw the VLR 17. page. Yeah, 10s did not have a good game, and he, he posted afterwards that he said that, essentially, uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing it, but like his confidence was knocked, essentially. He got into his own head about the ping situation. Yeah. He wasn't blaming it on ping, saying like, I lost because of ping. He was acknowledging that there's this mental obstacle in his head when it comes to playing on higher ping that makes him play worse. Yeah, which is, that is a key distinction though. Yeah, make, make sure you understand the difference there because it's, it's him acknowledging it that it's kind of like a silly thing to worry over, but it, human, uh, listen, the human brains, are, we're, we're full of silly chump. We're full of it. <laughs> like seriously, you can convince yourself of weird shit and like sometimes that is uh, something that can knock you. And if it compounds onto the fact that you're not being enabled because your team is not as drilled on this patch and it's not like... V1 showed an excellent example of 
Here's a tweet here. It says, make my mental go boom. The uh, V1 played a lot of old comps, but also ended up just kind of swapping out one or two pieces, which is Xander playing the Omen. And it still worked because they had really well-drilled fundamentals from just playing constantly recently. And they're, they're really good at just adapting and playing off of Zelsus' own flashes and the paranoia. It, it, the stuff that they try can easily be adapted with just one small change, whereas Sentinels, I don't know. They, they hadn't really put in the legwork beforehand. And the one thing they had going for them was that big grand reset, that flatting of the, of the playing field kind of, mm. um, where Ash just starts to fall out of the meta. With time, I think they could get there, but they don't have time. No. It's playoffs starting on Thursday. Yeah, I don't think they're going to make Reykjavik. I think, you know... It, it doesn't look likely, does it? No. They, they are, in some sense, the spiritual defenders of that trophy, though I suppose it is Ascend, and we'll talk about Ascend later on because they are the defending yeah. champions from champions. But because Iceland was the first international event of 2021 and then Iceland is the first international event of 2022, I kind of think about Sentinels as being the team that's almost defending that in a weird way, even though there have been other winners since then. And I don't think it's likely they're going to make it. I think Cloud9 version 1 clearly look like better teams right now. Their opening matches against the Guard. Guard could definitely win that. And then they're going to have to face other teams like Optic along the path. And I think that's going to be extremely difficult for them. They just don't look like they're in a position to win currently. Yeah, I tend to agree. I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to make it. It just, they look overall, it's not, it's really not even a talent issue. Like Zombs, I still think look pretty comfortable on like Omen returning to Omen here. Yeah. Like it, it, they had some cool ideas. Like they just have less set plays than some of the top teams. They're not as drilled with like hitting sites and they give up a lot. They also gave up a lot of picks. Honestly, they gave a lot of picks, but some of that could have just been tens getting into his own head uh, because of the ping situation. So it just didn't seem like a team that's going to win Iceland again so no. once again north america takes another fat l and we will never take any more w's again sag <laughs> okay let's let's go on to talking about the predictions then because we have our north american quarterfinals set up the upper quarters um before we get into the actual predictions though i believe we need to do a bit of a recap oh now ryan uh -huh. you're our guest here so we're not gonna roast you but we normally do a recap of how people's yeah. prior predictions have gone, you know? I see. And uh, have we got like a guest slot or have we got a Bala slot? Does it still show Bala stuff? Oh, Kurt says we'll see. Oh, can Let's I butcher Bala's predictions? <laughs> 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 what an incredible picture of Ryan. That's nice. I'm surprised I'm you know what it I remember the moment because they were taking the pictures and like whilst we were in the studio, the games were on like the pistol round. And it was the first time that we ever saw that Team Liquid Neon comp on Haven. <laughs> and it was just Yinsu going, right, Ryan, react to that composition. And I pulled that face. <laughs> I, I, I like the comp in the end, but yeah, I think Pretty I have good. a very memeable face. That's the only thing that's going for me right now. I'm surprised I led with my punt on Sentinels. I well, guess other people will make guard, another punt. You, you make a singular punt. I make many. <laughs> so, we are not yeah, the, the same. Guard, yeah. The guard boomed me. I, I, I'm taking the straight to MCE for my belief in them. Listen, so, I'll take about sense. 50%. Exactly. Yeah, you're better than a coin flip, I suppose, mm -hmm. depending on what the coin I'll is. I'll take that, man. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a look at the actual Preds then. Um, so, we've got... Our first match of the quarterfinals is Cloud9 taking on Knights. 
So everyone's gone with Cloud9. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a hope in hell for Knights here. Well, really, so right? actually, I do have a question about this match. If Does it matter? Does C9 have to win this to lock in their first seed from their group? Or are they already locked in? What? what the dickens it's are you playoffs. talking about? It's playoffs, mate. Oh my god, wait, what am I? Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. My brain. You're lost. My brain. Never mind. Lost in the... Last year, qualifiers going into qualifiers. My, never mind. We're just assuming that I forgot we're in playoffs. Qualifier. Okay. Yeah, uh, okay. I forgot. I forgot that okay, so group. yeah, take a look yeah. at on, what's on your screen right now, viewers. It is the upper quarterfinals. So this is now the path to Reykjavik. Lose two and you're gone. You have to yeah, win okay, all the C9 way through was, this bracket. Yeah. I was, I was, for some reason, I was like, oh yeah, we're still in the infinite group stages. So yeah. like, we're it's not ending. So like, Knights, like C9's playing their twentieth group stage match of the month, and they're gonna have to. I'm like, laughing because it's relatable. Yeah. But whatever. Well, I, yeah, I, I frequently have the brain fog takeover, Connor. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, so the next game is a banger, actually. It's Optic Gaming taking on Xset. And we've all gone for Optic here, actually. But I still think it's a damn good game. Especially with Optic struggling a little bit in their games. Uh, they lost to Rise. They lost to uh, version 1. Although they blasted version 1 on one of the maps and then dropped out. I don't know. It's a weird time to watch Optic. They... I feel like the peaks of Optic have been some of the best gameplay we've seen in North America. Yeah. And like the maps where they win, uh, they play phenomenally. Definitely have some um, confidence issues in terms of if they, if they get knocked in a map, regaining their footing is a big thing for Optic, I think, moving forward. Because mm. they've showcased that they can hang with the best when they're playing really confidently. Everybody is swinging, taking fights, winning them. But then there was that, the last series that they played, I think it was the last series that they played, again, when they tested out the Haven comp. Yeah, that was against Oh, sorry, V1. One. It was in week four. That was a bit eye-opener, a big eye-opener for me, because Ascent, they dominated. If you look at Ascent, look at the scoreline. 13-2. Yeah. They absolutely dominated. They rolled version one. Insane performance from them. Everybody's, everybody's popping off. And then Haven comes out. They pull out this, the wacky composition with the neon. It didn't look well-versed. And it highlighted a weakness for Optic for me when before I thought that this team was looking unstoppable for that number one seed in their group. Mm. And so, yeah, I don't know if that's going to rear its head in this match. It could. The reason... Go on, Ryan. I was just going to say, I, I, I had to double check. I did predict Xset, but it was based off nothing. I haven't seen the games because we had like EMEA, like tubes, A stream and B stream to catch up on. But uh, I went for Xset based entirely off of nothing because, and, and I did have a question as well. Like, obviously, EMEA is not playing on patch 4.04. We're still on the old one. Yeah, so it's always yeah. really fun to watch the likes of uh, the old Icebox, yeah. for example. That's really fun. I'm enjoying myself a lot when we have overtime <laughs> games on there. <laughs> Uh, obviously, like Brimstone and like Omen are going to be the agents to get the most upgrade in pick, right? What were the the secondary agents that weren't buffed or nerfed that maybe surprised you in regards to like how much they were played or how little they were played? Because it seemed like Bre Breach, I think for Breach example, is, Breach is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Seems like people are more inclined to use Breach because you can use your Breach utility and scale off it because you don't get stopped by a suck or something like that. And so it seems like the flash comps, especially in North America, are becoming more meta. Um, yeah, Astra dipped. For, I, I ran the, the stats on the pick rates. Just off the top of my head, it was something like Astra went from 75% to about 28. Mm. So massive drop, like nearly a third of the pick rate of Astra. 
And then Brimstone and Omen both went from essentially zero playtime, although a couple of people dabbled with Brim in NA. They went from essentially zero to being somewhere around like 20, 40% pick rate. Uh, yeah, you can Did see Brim is at 20 and Omen's at 40. Did we get any increase in like Killjoy at all? Since we're like, I'm wondering if people have started to use Killjoy to try to lock down chokes. Yeah, there was, there was a yeah. marginal increase in Killjoy play rate, but not... No, nothing massive. I think that was contributed, though, to a reduction in chamber pick rate. People were mm. going crazy with chamber in patch 4.03. And yeah. now people are cooling off with him. Mm -hmm. um, Learning where it's more applicable to run him. Yeah. As opposed to running him on everything. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, but the reason that I favor Optic in this match, to bring it back to Optic Exit, is... Not only have their peaks been great, but the map pool is so good for them. Exet love playing on bind. Exet are undefeated on bind. But Optic have showcased, I think, the best bind gameplay we've actually seen in North America. And I think they are likely to dismantle Exet in the same way that they dismantled Sentinels. So if Exet pick their favorite map into Optic, that's going to be a problem. Optic tend to ban Breeze anyway, which is uh, XX's second favorite map. So you, you might get rolled on your favorite. They're going to ban your second favorite. And then... Where do you go there? Where like where does Exec go to try and get an advantage in the map veto? They, it's going to be tough, I think. So the next game that we've got coming up, version one LG, and oh my word, this one's tight. Who will we be predicting? <laughs> oh, it's all version one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. This one's a snoozer. Wow, Being North America kind of like easy picks this first, but I mean it makes well, you sense say because that. it's always the ones you think are easy picks that the upsets happen. This is I, don't, I can't the, think of. I'm gonna be honest. I can't think of one yet that. Well, this is coming me. from the undisputed buy around millionaire. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, you gotta trust me on this one. You're you are essentially role playing as Zoms when you play the buy round. Yeah, <laughs> but you're not the undisputed buy around millionaire. You're essentially like you're essentially just some guy throwing crazy bets, and eventually, like you're hoping the government bailout is gonna yeah. help you one time. It's Wall Street bets kind of moments. That's what Bren does yeah. with his approach in the co-streams. All right, the final game, though, of the quarterfinals is, I think, the best game of the quarters. It's the guard against Sentinels. On the new patch, and Bren has gone with Sentinels. <laughs> the other three of us gone with the guard, and I'm telling you, I didn't feel confident about this. Mm. So, Bren, so, shoot me I know the Sentinels. I, I know I, the entire time during the Sentinel struggling with the new patch, I basically yeah. just said... Man, they don't have enough time. They were struggling. They, yeah. they haven't really done any of the, the foundation, the legwork. But this is more based off of, I think, the guard showcase that they are still a pretty prep-heavy team. And I think the lack of time to prep for the new patch will hurt the guard more than it will Sentinels, if that makes sense. Mm. Because they showcased that they put a lot of time into bind and they short that up. Great pick for them. But the other maps were still kind of lacking. And I think it compounded a little bit with just the confidence in it. Because the team is so... The, it, 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 I don't want to call it a honeymoon phase, but it's very much like these guys were just on a streak of just popping the fuck off. But Trent had one of his worst games ever in that second map in their series. Yeah. I think he got three kills overall after he'd been previously playing really well. And there's a risk of that kind of inexperience rearing its head in this series. I've seen teams before play against Sentinels. When constantly, we've been talking about Sentinels as this team that is underperforming. And it feels like they have this fucking plot armor where they go up <laughs> against teams and you think there's a chance of the upset and for whatever reason teams get in their own heads when they play against sentinels and i think it's because of this 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 just the aura of the fact that these guys were the top dogs in north america in 2021 yeah. that when you were trying to make it in the scene you were looking at this team win it all and now you're playing against them that is 
it's a bit of a hurdle to get over in your mind when you're playing against this team, despite the fact the Sentinels have been looking a bit more sloppy recently. And so for those reasons, I went with the punt on Sentinels. I still stand by the points I was making, where I think that there's not enough time really for Sentinels to shore up. This is you more predicting the guard mental collapse. Not a bit, a bit. I, want, I don't want to say mental collapse. I want to say like inexperience. Right. Rearing its head and not having enough time to put that really solid prep work that put them above and beyond a lot of other teams. Yeah. That's, that's my take on this series. I think it's fair. Yeah. And it's also part of the argument that I was making last week for Sentinels maybe being favored over version one. Obviously not the like inexperienced part because version yeah. one are very experienced, but Sentinels just being a bit better when it comes to the patch. I think this is extremely valid. I just refuse to take another punt on Sentinels after they <laughs> I let me down it, this I week. This and the guards like buying earlier. did look genuinely incredibly good. It did, yeah. It looked good. Yeah, if it happened earlier, I think I if this was like if we had removed the last week of group stages and just suddenly this is the first week, right? And like we're playing right now on this patch and Sentinels and Guard are playing, I'd be like, okay, sure. But I think the more reps, since Guard has had a week to get some reps in they're going to be stronger. Like they, they're, they're just like, uh, they're just like an algorithm. You just got to put them through, give them enough data sets, and eventually they're going to be downloaded. So I, I, I'm not too worried about. I've them just realized what your room reminds me of, Connor. What? It's an episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> it's like a future where art is now optional, or like people, people art look down. Art is optional. <laughs> down First of all, art is already optional. But it's like, art but, is already but it's, an it's very. Thing. You've got a very like. Unit five two one zero. Report to your it's desk. Just because, it's just because I haven't put on. I love nineteen eighty four. I just haven't put the fucking Kadinsky up on the wall. You yet, need to okay? put the Kadinsky up. I think. Yeah. I know. Because you, and then put you, the Kadinsky apparently you work in a prison and you down. sleep in a prison. It yeah. requires it requires two people. It's a large painting, and I and I, I don't have two a people to hang up a painting. It's a big painting. Huh? It's a big okay. painting. It's okay. a really big painting. You don't understand the scale of it. You haven't seen it. <laughs> anyway, what are there scale. aren't any other inmates that can help you. Episodes. No, I live by myself. I'm going to be uh, an avid viewer just to see when that painting goes up. Now I'm I know. To, I'm going to turn on the episode. If it's not there, I'm going to close it. I'm going to come back when. Yeah, exactly. I don't actually do the podcast Connor. from from home. So that's the thing. You don't you don't get very many options. You're going to just get like months of snapshots. Like every three four <laughs> months, you'll see. Um, right. That does it for North America then. So let's move on to the region that had by far and away the most games this week, which was EMEA. Now, Ryan, do you want to give us a little TLDR on why EMEA had a thousand games happening today? And uh, we're going to start with a topic about Ascend. Yeah, um... It, it, it's 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 touchy to say the very least. I think the main thing overall is just the postponement because of the whole Ukrainian crisis. Um, and then it's a case of I don't really know what the reasoning was, but there could have definitely been a world where Gambit would just disqualify or whatever, right? Like it's, it was them that got postponed the most to the point where they've had to go by a new name, which I think sure. is probably the most notable thing coming into this. But also they have three games back to back. Mm -hmm. uh, for the next broadcast days, which I think have been announced. So basically by the time that the podcast is out, the games will be happening. So sure. it shouldn't be too much of a surprise unless things completely differ away. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. It kind of messed with teams like Guild, who would have like Trex on the roster, for example, obviously screwed up FPX that have a Ukrainian player of Angel who is still there and has had to, to flee his city and is currently safe, which is good, but still 
in a war zone, frankly. Yeah, so. he actually he posted a picture this morning of um, I think it was his girlfriend's grandmother's house just on fire. Just on fire, yeah. yeah. It, just it, it's terrible, burning really. Just burning. And I think I think as well, like a lot of people here, especially like it being based in Germany, which isn't really too far away. Um, the best way I've had it described is just like a mental debuff on everybody. Like I, I think everybody's so tired as well. So sure. a lot of games to catch up on. I do respect the fact that like we've tried to keep to the schedule as much as possible, um, especially with like A stream and B stream games. Uh, so now, yeah, we should be finishing up with our group stages this mm. week and then playoffs next week. Uh, yeah, and also, it's, yeah, it's on the old patch too, so there's a, a lot to catch up on. Sure. It definitely feels like it injected some chaos into the EMEA results this week because mm -hmm. when I was I was trying to keep up, I wasn't able to watch all of the EMEA games, but I, I watched this one, and uh, it, it felt like every time, you know, I'm either prepping for the North American broadcast or I was streaming some Elden Ring or something, and someone would come into the chat and be like, did you see Did you see this upset result happen? And I was like, wait, what the fuck? Did you see this upset result happen? Wait, what the fuck? What the hell is going on over there in EMEA? Because I felt like the felt like the hierarchy was decently structured before this week, and then it's all just been blown up. The biggest news being that reigning champions Ascend have not made it. They have been grouped. They lost to Fnatic and BBL in back-to-back -back games, winning only a single map, and have now finished in, uh, yeah, I mean, behind BBL. Both of the Turkish teams were like 0-3 and three or something until very recently. And... Yeah now ascend a second to last yeah um they are not going to be qualifying for masters one they can't get into the playoffs and that also means that we will not again have back-to-back -back champions of any masters events we haven't had that at all in valorant is, so far yeah it's a weird it's a weird feeling in emea right because with all the postponements and the fact that it's all being played on the old patch as well means that well, I'm just thinking in terms of not only like, I imagine a lot of scrims probably being disrupted as well, just with everything going on in EMEA, people getting subs in players, possibly. teams not knowing whether or not they're playing or not. And then they're playing on the old patch. So when they're scrimming, they can't even scrim on no, the I think old you, patch, right? you can scrim on the tournament client. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's also a lot of like, opponents. Yeah, there's a lot of regional league teams as well that are prepping for their playoffs. So the tournament client for scrims is It'd be worse, I think, if we went to the new patch because it would be only the VCT teams that would be scrimming. Whereas now you could have gone up against like Giants or Alliance who are in okay. these regional so leagues. So they're still in the old patch with the regionals? Yes, yeah. And I think they are for yeah. playoffs, but I could be wrong. Like right. they're all this that, week as well. There's, there's a lot going on. I was thinking based off of uh, NA where it's only the VCT teams who want to practice on the mm. old patch, I guess, prior to it. Anyway, yeah, I possibly. Know. I mean, for Ascend as well, the, these these kind of situations were compounded by the fact that Zeke has taken a break, yeah. right, too. Uh, Zeke put out a tweet longer where he was talking about um, some mental health issues that he's been having for a while now. And he he seemed a bit um, embarrassed to share and like it had been difficult for him to even open up about that kind of stuff, which I always... Um, it's always a a really important breakthrough when people are able to be open about it, not with the public, I don't mean that, but with your team or with somebody you know or with like a support person that can mm -hmm. actually help you through it. So it seems like he's been going through a pretty tough time. Um, he didn't go into, you know, exactly what, but he said a few days ago due to a lot of things that happened at the same day, something broke inside me. I'm currently at my worst. And he was talking about how embarrassed he feels kind of sharing it, but he just wanted to let people know what's going on, why he hasn't been 
playing up to his old form. And it's it is just so important to acknowledge what's going on in your head. Just because it's only going on in your head doesn't mean it's not real. It is absolutely real and you need to deal with it. It should be top priority. Yeah. I'm a big advocate for talking about mental health problems, in particular with men, because there's a stigma against talking about it. True. Because, I mean, you, you can kind of see I it within the writing. Thing, it's yeah. the feeling of embarrassment that you're, you're talking about it. It's not. It's completely valid. Like, a lot of people go through it. Many people go through it. Yeah, tons of people. Um, so, yeah, I, I really do hope that, that Zeke ends up you know, getting through a lot of his uh, problems and he comes back in a much better mental state, you know. So Ascend, when they played for BBL, they had Purpo uh, filling in, who is currently the number yep. one player in EMEA. I don't know his previous competitive history, Ryan. Is he just a ranked demon, or did he play for teams? Um, as far as I remember, he's also Gambit standing as well. Like, he's just a, a player that Jack has a reputation of being, yeah, fantastic, just another crack CIS player. Um, I did want to say as well, like, credit to Ascend for, like, letting Zeke not play in a final game against BBL, knowing full well that it could really hamper their ch chances of getting to playoffs, right? The fact that they went, we want Zeke to sort of take this break, knowing full well that that BBL game is such a difficult one to prepare for when you also have all of this stuff going on and then you have a standard to play such a pivotal role on a team like Purpo did. Saying that, he did pretty well there overall, but it really, like, to set the tone... G2, at the start of the day, we were like, it's such a thin line for them to actually qualify for playoffs because they need to beat Guild, and then BBL somehow needs to beat Ascend, which is exactly what ended up happening, right? Both so upset it was, results as well. In, yeah, in, or and one after the other, right? Be. Because, yeah, the G2 game was on the A stream, and this was on the B stream. And I think it says enough when you look at the map pool. Like Haven, the permaban for Ascend for the longest period of time, is in the map pool and Ascend got dumpstered on not only against BBL, but the day before against Fnatic. They had two games, two days in a row because yeah. of all of these stacked up. So even just going up to the map ban, Ascend got boomed so hard on Fracture by Guild, they started permabanning that instead. Yeah. And it felt like they had to really catch up and prep. Champions, it wasn't a really good showing either. But this whole like meta shift, well, not meta shift, the map, shifting from banning out Fracture. It meant that BBL and Fnatic could exploit Haven. And also, like, Ascend's bind, after losing against G2, uh, like, a week ago, wasn't looking that convincing either. It was only really, like, split and bind that Ascend could rely on. The rest of the map pool just started to disappear for them, really, and they didn't have a like to stand on, which is kind of the way that all of these teams go when they fall out of favor. They have, like, one really good map that they're strong at, but as soon as that falls... It's a bit of a house of cards with everything else when it comes to the maps and the comps. Yeah, I've been talking for a while about Ascend's uh, map pool and how poor it is. And I think, actually, that was a bigger deal than Zeke being out. I don't think it was the addition of Purpo. I mean, I, I think Purpo's, um, Purpo's KO utility usage didn't look particularly good, like how he was using it for the team. But he's still a fragger and he was still getting you know, work done on that role. But their map pool is just not good enough to win right now. The Ascent is their third best map. And it's still pretty poor. They're two and two this year on their third best map. And they're like seven and three since Berlin. So they're barely, you know, what is that? Like 60, 68%, something like that. So it, it's kind of mad to me that they just don't have an icebox or a breeze. They just don't, they, those maps just don't exist in their map pool. And they're, they are perma losing at, um, at the, Haven and Fracture, both of them. So I wanted to focus a little bit on Ascent, though, as well. 
Um, so after this clip, I have some others that I wanted to pull up from Ascent just to kind of talk about not just their game against BBL, but the game <laughs> against Fnatic too and like where it all started to go wrong. Because there's still some great parts about this team, but I think it's got to a point where Ascend actually need to be making some changes. Otherwise, the team that won champions this year is going to be in a similar scenario to a Sentinels or something. They're not... Yeah. They're in a different boat, but I mean in terms of their, their fall-off, you know? I so, think the meta changed in the nick of time, though. Like, the whole problem, I suppose, that Ascend have been running into was Bone Cold could not slash would not play Astra to the point oh. that Starkso had to move over to that role and Bone Cold would be playing the Brimstone on maps like... Um, for example, or you'd be playing Sova. Now that we're going back to a spot where you can play Brimstone a lot more, even on maps that he was never typically good on in the first place, and with new maps being introduced, like, say, Fracture, he can also go back to the Omen where he had a good amount of success beforehand. Absolutely. That I feel for the most part, like, obviously, from speaking to the SM players, they're super disappointed, like, all of this has happened. But also thinking about it, they won Champions, which was kind of out of the stretch of the imagination. Everybody re-signed other than CNED, I think, initially to, I guess, see what offers came up, like 100 Thieves or whatever. Then that was rectified. The team re-signed. And then pretty much straight away, they went into protecting their crown for stage one. So I feel like a break is well-deserved at this point. Yeah, necessary. they've I'm had sure. a pretty crazy couple of months for the most part. But it is still like... They wouldn't have any excuses coming back into stage two. They've had that respite. They have a bit of a better meta overall. They could fix some of their map issues. Like their bind comp might get even stronger now, considering like we saw C9 and stuff running it earlier. It seems that it almost augmented that whole Brimstone Sage race composition, right? So I feel good for a sense future overall. They're very good at bouncing back even from last year, but it did feel that everything kind of hit at the wrong time, especially with everything that's going on in Europe as a region, right? It's just Ascend were hit monstrably hard with all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, starting with the Ascend Fnatic game, I just wanted to talk a little bit about this. So if you look at the map pool, right, for Ascend Fnatic, the, the, reason, they pit, the reason they don't win a map in this match is because Split was the decider. They would have won Split. I'm really confident about it. But they're still not going to be able to win the series unless they actually win on Ascent. And they picked Ascent so that they got that better, like, third map. You know, the middle map between the two teams. They end up losing 13-10 here. And it's it's the middle of both teams' map pool. Fnatic are not amazing at it either. But I think Fnatic have done a ton of really good things. So we don't have a specific comment, uh, like a segment about Fnatic. But they are at the top of their group right now and looking like the best team Honestly, the best team that's currently playing right now in EMEA. So I wanted to launch in just to talk a little bit about how they ended up beating Ascend. So that the first clip that I've got from this game, uh, Kurt, if you wouldn't mind pulling that up, is from round five. Because I wanted to focus a bit on Boaster. Boaster is a player that isn't known for these like big, flashy... Um, killing kind of sprees right but he's actually picked up the flex role look at his position on the minimap right now he's holding all the way at the back of b and as they drone the jet out he's gonna throw a flash over the top of this building to combo with a pull look uh, this smoke being retracted here flash and it doesn't it catches starzo just a tad too early but that level of like combo initiation is what Boaster was doing all around the map. He had like a knife that went from tree over to B main. His knives are fantastic. He's gotten super nerdy with all of the flashes. And he's just really smart in how he takes fights as well. And it's opened up Bravaf to play the Sova. So Fnatic have got 
a really good thing going right now in an unusual way with a very kind of supportive flex player that you don't see very often. Mm -hmm. But they they were looking they were looking pretty hot here. Overall, though, it's it's Durka CNET that this game ends up coming down to, I think. And Durka's just been on the most outrageous hot streak. Uh, ever since we said he was not a top 20 player at Champions. <laughs> I mean, he's just actually been phenomenal. Yeah. His online play leading up to Champions was not good. That's why we were saying he didn't look like a top 20 player. And then at Champions, I guess something just ignited inside of him and he's kept it going the whole time, all through this stage as well. He looks like a freak. If you pull up round 16, Kurt, I, I'm not going to like talk over it particularly, but round 16, round 22, it's just Durka destroying so he just comes into catwalk. They sync it with a flash from Boaster. And Boaster's job is to set up Durka in these scenarios. Mm -hmm. And then Durka just takes duels and pounds. I think I mean, this this kind of setup works really well. Was Boaster playing the Breach for them on Haven? Yes. yes. He played Haven, right? Yeah, yeah he played Breach. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, um, that kind of central role where you're playing the initiator is like an IGL player calling plays, I think, to support your players uh, coming in is a really powerful position to play from from the IGL. Sounds like a weird point to make, but plenty of IGLs have said that they find it way easier to come from that kind of position where they are, a lot of the plays are centered around their utility combos or oh. their information that they gather. That's the win now. I know, it's ridiculous, that isn't is insane. it? It's But CNED is trying, man. I mean, CNED yeah. is trying so fucking hard. He, he honestly was owning in this game as well but the team around him is just not not able to do it enough you know it feels like the rest of ascend are in a serious slump apart from bind and split like when they get onto the other maps it feels like the rest of ascend just can't do anything and cnet is always there always trying to put up his best performance still looking like an absolute beast level player um but one of the people that i wanted to talk a bit about too from ascend that i think is causing issues for them I feel like it might be the end for Keyless. I don't know what you feel, Ryan, but if you, Kurt, actually, if you just look at Keyless's um, stats here, obviously he's negative 14, but if you pull up this one and click 90 days, because that covers the time period just after Champions. Look at his kill per round. I have not seen a pro player with stats that bad, like, ever on a top team that's trying to yeah. make playoffs or something. The, these, It's not just like he's... It is he's in a rut, but even when they've done incredibly well at tournaments, he's not been a performer in the slightest. And even at Champions, he was like in the bottom 10 players. He was like sixth worst for ADR, 13th worst for kills per round. He's also just not even contributing with like the cast is at 58%. All of this to say, right? I'm not just trying to be a scoreboard Steven. When you watch him in the game, he is getting fucking rolled. He has a job to like hold an area, hold an angle. He gets run over and it happens constantly for them. And it feels like, it feels almost necessary at this point that they would have to make that adjustment. Obviously there are bigger issues with their map pool overall, but yeah. Keyless has just had such a bad time in like the last six months that I find it difficult to justify his position on the team, despite the fact he got re-signed to a contract at the beginning of this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I argued against a lot of people for like his impact in Champions being sort of not recognized as much because a lot of it, it was just watching the flanks, trying to keep that control, certainly on bind, right, where he's just going to be the Viper on shot, just keeping that spot. 
from casting them playing up against G2 on Bind. I said it then, and I still stand by it. Like, with them not playing around showers because Kiles was playing from that short position, he was just set up to fail. He had to hold against Nukie and Mixwell from two very different parts of the map whilst the rest of his team tried to, like, push towards, like, be long and take that space. Also, like, he is Ukrainian. He lives in Spain, and, like, there, there's a lot of family stuff that he still has family in Ukraine, for example. So I Absolutely. feel like that's obviously going to have like a big negative impact. But yeah, I feel like he is the most like, obvious thing to pinpoint when stuff is is going wrong. Um, but I, I do think that there is a, a lot more at play for the most part. And I also think that his team haven't really set him up for success. And in a lot of cases... The rest of the team is off doing something else, and Kiles has to to watch and hold a certain part of the map. In which case, he tends to just get ran over, especially at this level where you're playing up against, you know, guild that have been hungry for blood. If Kiles runs into safe, there's only one person that's winning that kind of fight in duel, right? So I do agree with you to an extent, but I do like sympathize with Kiles very much being left out to dry. And I think Ascend maybe felt that they had to reinvent themselves in some areas in some cases, like especially with Matt Paul's like fracture and stuff. There, I, I think it's something to scrutinize a lot more for stage two, if and when it happens, because yeah, this cool. Ascend team, it felt like they weren't, like for Fnatic, for example, they built on what made them so successful at Champions and made it work. Like Haven is a really good map to come back to for Fnatic because that was the map that they chose against Crew and got bodied on in the quarterfinals. They look a lot more stronger now. They look a lot more coherent and they look ready for the next patch. Whereas I feel that this Ascend team have been very fatigued. They're still kind of playing the same ideas and strategies that won them champions. So a lot of teams have come in very prepared for that. If you have Guild, for example, going up and playing up against this team, it's so hard for Ascend to adapt to Guild. Whereas Guild are like, we know this this pool of like sure. strategies that they use. Bit we, of a Super Bowl hangover kind of uh, yeah, right? kind like, of vibe. It, it, I mean that, that tweet like from Keyless though, Kurt, was is a little bit illuminating as to the the mood within the team too, because he says the entire year has. Uh, I mean, entire year. I'm maybe putting too much emphasis on there because there's only been like two and a half months, but still, a, a significant portion of time has been an absolute nightmare for all of us. He says constant non-game problems. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously. I think it's a great point to bring up that he's Spanish-Ukrainian, and so obviously this period of time will be really rough for him. Um, the issues have extended prior to that too, but I'm sure it all compounds on top of each other. Perhaps it is something where you need to wait and see for stage two. Uh, the next big thing that happened was, in, in, order for G2, uh, in order for Ascend to not make Masters 1, G2 also had to win their game against Guild. So let's talk about that for a little bit too, because G2 have... It has felt like Carlos's carousel for a little while, yeah. <laughs> but it's actually on track right now. It, it's it's working, which is mad to me because it felt so nonsensical from the outside. The like Kellogg's Mixwell, Kellogg's Mixwell, and not really attacking the core issue of like getting structure within the team. But holy shit, the last two weeks have been. Amazing for Nookie's IGLing, I think. That when I'm looking at like G2 overall, the structure improvement and their macro game and what Nookie's been able to do individually as well are leading me to believe he is one of the most I mean, I already thought he was one of the most valuable players, but like even more valuable than I'd previously thought, because he also is actually being successful 
at the eye gelling component, which you n almost never get from like a star duelist <laughs> player. They all think they can do it, but they it's can't usually. Really hard. Yeah, and mm. yet he it's a reason is why. doing it it's really well. Most of the IGL players, when it comes to the statistics, are in the bottom of VCT. Yes. Yep. Half of the IGLs from North America are in the bottom 10 ACS. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, and yet it's Nookie hard. is dominant. Absolutely dominant. When he plays on Rays, his Rays in 2022 is just nuts. He's, he's got... Um, he averages 190 ADR. <laughs> on raise this yeah, year no, man. and that's crazy and while, while IGLing too yeah. while IGLing that's while the IGLing. crazy part to me is like doing that much damage while having to call all the plays like being the IGL for the team it just requires so much people really don't get like how mentally taxing it is to like when they're especially when you're thinking of all the micro plays all the rotations like you get new information something your mid-rounds fucked up and it's like oh i'm lining up my nade what's that two people just fed in showers oh shit <laughs> we have to change like it's just crazy yeah. thinking about how much mental capacity that requires what you've hit on the head kind of the big thing though which was about the structure of g2 and not having that consistent roster that they're playing with sure. you play musical chairs all the time i imagine it's a big weight off the shoulders of the players knowing that it's do or die time with this roster and this is it sure. like it's it, you've got mixwell on the team now now this is the roster you're going to be performing with yeah mixwell's jet has actually been looking good too i had my concerns about it but it's been looking pretty clean i think though the most important part is definitely nookie in this round he just reads the play coming through showers perfectly gives them space in showers, finds the flank through short, comes back into the Viper's pit. It's a pretty poor pit, actually, from Trex, but they, they, he's just such a smart player. And you know how other teams set their IGLs up for success sometimes, but it's weird because they're not the best player on the team. I'm thinking about, like, you know how Bala criticized Valin early on with the guard? Because he's the IGL, he can see the timings in his head. So he goes for them, even though he's on Astra. Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of what G2 are doing, especially on bind. Nookie reads the play that's going on and decides... Do I push showers here? Do I rotate? He's always farming the orb in B, uh, in showers, sorry. He's constantly got his ult online, constantly in position to make the big play, but he's also the best player on the team. So it just makes sense. He's like IGLing the team to set him up for success, but he's such a fucking good player. It works. I it's do want to shout out a bro It's well. beautiful. Like, a Vover on this map had less than 100 ACS. I think he had three kills. It is the most impactful performance I've seen with an ACS under 100 because not only was he cut in the map round, there was another tweet that came out of Laika who did the, the whole Hiko beating tweet where he's just sat yeah. singing, I think, fireworks in the background. <laughs> he did another one of Evolver with Around the World from Daft Punk playing where Evolver with the spike goes up B-Long, goes through the teleporter, comes around through attacker spawn, goes up B-Long, goes through the teleporter again, and then goes through showers for the plant, just following the mini-map of Evolver <laughs> running around, doing absolutely nothing but everything at the same time. And then, of course, he had a couple of like ninja diffusers that came in in clutch moments, right? I, I think that the map pool looked a lot better for G2 here. They banned out Breeze, which has been Guild's absolute best map so far guild haven't played bind at all in in challenges the last time they played up was against team vitality who is a much much more different opponent 
And G2 showing that it wasn't just a fluke that they were able to beat Ascend on this map. No, this they look nasty. Composition, this idea. And Guild had so many amazing ideas to try and like stop Nokia from playing in that Showers position. For example, putting a grab well in Showers on the entrance, waiting for contact on Nokia with like a trailblazer, using the grab and then a Hunter's Fury to try and catch him. Yeah, and, and he just, just escapes. He just escapes, and he's still Man. fighting for those spots, and it got to a point where Russ, who usually defaults in that position on attack, he was just, I can't do anything. It's not, he, This guy's a freak. I just <laughs> need to go with the rest of my team to set them up. Yeah. It, and then G2 sort of go on and go for strength to strength, but that's a Guild's map pick. By the way, it feels like for a lot oh, of these teams, they have like one good map, and that's kind of about it. And G2 and Fnatic are looking really good on multiple maps. The, uh, another bonkers thing about that game as well that just added to the EMEA chaos this week, the first half of Bind, every thrifty round resulted in a win. Yeah. What the fuck? What? Yeah. Apart yeah, from well, didn't they have two, like some ridiculous stats where like they, they had like six rounds, one thrifty or something? It was like fucking crazy how many thrifty rounds they won. Yeah, it was in the first half, it was like... Uh, I think it was five thrifty rounds, one in the first half. Every every single thrifty round resulted in a win, apart God. from round two, where you win the pistol and then you're on the anti-eco. But all of the other mm. ones where they had sheriffs or, you know, a guardian or, or a marshal or whatever, they all won every time. And it just added to this chaotic feeling of never... It was super scrappy. They could never get an advantage. But G2 ended this half at 6-6 six, six, and then demolished guild by just running it into B. They actually just ran the, we go B every round and win. And then Icebox, holy mother of God, Kurt just run the clips. It's G2 went A every round. They five player went A every single round. Wait, every the immortal round. strat? Finally, from, from fucking 2020, the immortal strat is here. <laughs> every round. It was really smart as well, because they went, I'm just looking at my notes, like they went A six times, and then there was a tactical timeout from guild. And then they would be. <laughs> it was just yep. like, Guild knew, like, all right, we've tilted them enough to get them to call tack timeout where they're like, okay, we need to focus on this A defense and do this kind of thing. But also, I think that this is a really interesting testament for like the meta as well, where a lot of teams like Guild are using this composition with a KO. Trex did nothing. Like, he'd throw out like the zero point early on, maybe catch Nokia in his drone, but then G2 would still go there. Like, Evolver's playing on the top of 410, being like vulnerable by this um, retake toxic screen that a lot of teams use that goes to the top 410. He's just stood in it and he gets a he gets a free K from fighting in those positions. It was ridiculous how much G2 was able to get away with. Guild with this whole composition, the whole idea is like with the KO, we can play on site on A, just try and duel them and shut down any like chamber that's going to try and peek up and stuff. But I think that this whole like Killjoy composition that G2 and Fnatic have been running, bearing in mind that Fnatic is also superb on this map, yeah, they are. is the way to go. Like, it felt that the KO really fell flat in this one, and G2 Fnatic found a lot of success on this map, and it's kind of crazy that they're the two teams that look the best in a group that has Guild and Ascend in it. It is mad, isn't it? But seriously, G2 uh, feel like they're back. Now, my one concern with G2, though, is that they basically went B every round on their attack bind, and they basically went A every yeah. round on their attack icebox. So it's not like they demonstrated very much strategical depth. But if it worked, it worked. They literally just did it over and over again. This was safe trying to do something different. He pushed up on round nine, got caught. He decides, okay, I need to challenge this round early, but no one helps him. There's no utility to put pressure on him. 
he dies. G2 mm -hmm. just feel like they're winning every duel. They're double-facing belt. And it goes again. Here's another lockdown. Same as round four. And it's just... The... It just... Guild could not find a single thing to work for them. They were losing every opening duel. Nookie ended this map with like 230 ADR. Something crazy. He's, he's a god. It's not like they're doing anything bad with their attack side IGLing. They're just keeping it simple and executing insanely well. And uh, I think it's going to be pretty effective in the playoffs because it's a yeah, simple match. Yeah, I mean, I, I new also patch, think new ice box, right? Sides. So maybe, maybe yeah. new icebox. They actually do have to I have mean, a different approach much, but... because there wasn't even that much nuance in the play anyway. No, I mean they could literally so... just go a every round, and they wouldn't even see the new changes on icebox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they probably they probably thought they were playing on the new version, right? With this bump, yeah. it's just exactly the same. Like, yeah, oh, this old patch feels so much so much similar to the old no, one. Nookie's like, don't go uh, B, don't go B. We haven't been scrimming B. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like this, I remember this being a lot more complicated, right, guys? But I also think that, like, watching safe throughout the series was curious as well. Like, being not so much critical of him. Like, I know that, like, me and Bala were very much saying the last time, like, I wonder how he's going to do up against not so much like other good jets, like your Durkers, like your CNEDs, like your even like QT for BBL has been looking really good recently. I have no doubt when it comes to those kind of games that safe can perform because he has already up against like CNED, up against some of the other teams here. But just teams that either outduel him, like G2 did in this case, or like up against a Gambit who might have a game plan to just kind of quieten down the star player on the roster. Like safe stats are still incredible, but I felt in this series he maybe not so much tried to do a bit too much, but there was a play that we saw, right, where he jumps into a, a Viper's pit with an operator an enemy's Viper's Pit. And it's those kind of like out there plays that he wasn't finding any success with. And there were rounds like on Bind, for example, where he got like a free K and looked really good. But that was also the round where Vova just stuck the defuse in the middle of a smoke sure, on the B sure. site. So well, I, I think I, one I of think the things that... I noticed the most about Safe was he is a cracked player, but he never comes. I think this might be Jet in experience. He doesn't come for his teammates to help him. When he makes a play, it just all comes from up here. And it doesn't get communicated via his mouth. So, like, if he goes for a play, if he's like, I'm going to find this timing into a Viper's Pit, or I want to challenge early on Icebox, or something, you know? Like, he's going to make a play. He doesn't have in his head, I need to ask my Sova to throw a recon for me, or I need to ask someone to hold my belt, or I need to, you know, that next step of who should I be requesting to assist me doesn't appear to be there for Guild. It's just safe on his own too often. And he is incredibly talented, but you need that additional layer. Otherwise, he just gets caught out too much. Also, what the yeah. fuck is that stats page with Twiston's first kill? <laughs> How the fuck has he got 0.4 first kill per round? Twiston's a fucking nutcase. He is a nutcase. He's an actual, yeah. he's an actual he, nutcase. Like, when he plays Jet, he's good, but when he's on other stuff, it's not as successful for big. I, I mean, his, yeah, his like raise that. entrying was pretty. He is mad a as well. he is he is crazy when he's on entry when he's just on an entry agents. He just like does the wildest shit for big often. Like they love the doing crazy stuff. Like, oh, it's, it's just he's crazy. Also, he's also dying he's first. Type are probably really good as well. Like I'm his first kill sure. type, I would bet, would also be astronomically high. Let's have a look. Cypher, where is he? Twiston. He's at third. First death per round, 0.14, though, is pretty fucking high yeah, for a Cypher first death. But yeah, he's just a crazy he, aggro player. I'm fairly sure his race stats were inflated by their match against Team Liquid. Um, well, let's, let's talk about Team Liquid then. Let's go on to this. So 
FPX. They have mm. uh, continued what we're dubbing the upsets by beating Team Liquid. But at this point, they've beaten Gambit and they've beaten Liquid even without Angel playing. Yeah, Angel, this is the insane part. That's about mad, this. isn't it? It's without their IGL. Angel's their IGL. He's not playing, so they got a sub. And Shower's taken up the IGLing. And the big takeaway from this is that FPX are the real deal, I think, uh, uh, right now. There, there are a couple of <clears throat> big overarching stories you take away from this match against Team Liquid. One, it was immediately obvious to me that Team Liquid were off on the day. Right. They were out of sync. They were disjointed in terms of their, their overall plans and ideas. Uh, but for FPX, just to talk positives of the FPX were always cooking up some... Not cooking up, but they had fantastic ideas of the win conditions in a given round by Team Liquid. They were reading the alts. They were reading the money. They were saying, okay, they're probably going to be leaning towards this. They're going to probably try to do this. And they would adjust and cook up game plans with either their own ultimates to just essentially negate it. Because there's a lot of tendencies that Liquid fall into, like Nivera attacking with an operator or the way they use their ultimates with the, with the lockdown or the, K or the KO ult with Scream. I have three rounds back-to-back -back that I think showcase it really well, which is just this disjointedness, I think, from Liquid that you see. They try to go for, like, a deep play, I think, to punish um, artists who's opping from market. Things are just a play for them with the dash in. Shao ends up using his Hunter's Fury to try and get value here. I don't know what the play was off of that, but he wastes the ult. And so Liquid are like, okay, quickly, I th this is the round, I think, where they try to pivot into A and capitalize off of it pretty rapidly. But you start to see where FPX, I think, are showcasing that it's not just them thinking one step ahead, but also just they've got the discipline and fundamentals now on top of it to back up those moments when it really gets hairy. Because uh, I don't know if you can skip ahead like 10 seconds to see them into the site. Yeah, so this is, this, they put right, down a so lockdown. They use lockdown because, because the, the Hunter's Fury, yeah, yeah, it's gone. The server's all gone. And use KO as well. Yeah, this, there's an interesting moment. Is this where... The Soulcast? No, it's actually the previous round where the Soulcast, I think, uses uh, Hunter's it's Fury, the right? round before, yeah. Soulcast brings out his Hunter's Fury and then just cancels it instantly. Right, so that, there was moments in this game. Because it, his body language, you just see him go, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, you see him, <laughs> you see, like, he, he literally see him in a cam say, ah, oh, fuck, at that moment. But that, that was prior. And it was all these little things that were adding up that showcased that they were quite uncomfortable with it. But look at this. The ultimates that are ready, they know Nivera's opping from main. They put the Cosmic Divide up, they block off A main. The KO ult to try and push through. The players are able to trade effectively. Scream, I think, gets forced into uh, a 1v1 at some point as well uh, during all of this. And Link's just left to hold it down alone in hell. And this was, I think, a great example to showcase that FPX are just always thinking ahead in terms of what Liquid were doing in case a round went wrong and how they use their ultimates around that. And let me just pull up my notes as well real quick because this was... Yeah, got... it's, round uh, 11 it, it... was tragic. Um, it was just tragic, honestly. I think I linked the uh, the round 11 timestamp as well, Kurt, for this map. But, oh, this was the round that we just... No, it wasn't the one that we just watched. No. This, yeah, this, this, was, this was quite tragic. They had the idea then to just push mid and try and break the alarm bar and break the door. But they're so kind of out of sync by just half a second, a second, in terms of how they want to take this space, that by the time that they're setting up for this B split... It's so obvious to FPX that this is happening the entire time. So like they're breaking a wall, it's a minute in, and they're just showing, they're showcasing, they're making noise the entire time. There's no hint that there's, it could be a pivot, a rotation, it could be a fake. There's no hint of it whatsoever. And it's all being contained, they know exactly where the players are, there's being locked down, they see the drone coming through, and just look at the 
indecision as they're trying to get in. Yambi's like updrafting, trying to collect this pick over here. Nobody breaks the dart here. Shao just darts. No one's on dart duty watching this. And they don't do a good job of pulling out this key utility every time they're going for these B hits. Honestly, the story of the of Ascent in this entire map was that, where they were just very obvious in terms of their approach and their hits, and they were never really doing enough to pull out a dart to pull. They were giving FPX the perfect timings every time to just completely stunt every single push attempt. But the big, the big overarching themes here are FPX are now the real deal. I came into that series thinking that they were kind of the underdogs. I need to shift that mentality, I think, that lens, because... I mean, this team should, is good. But they, even if you thought FPX were the better team, they should be the underdogs with their IGL on the back. Right, Shao's right? IGL in, like, and, I, and it was one of the major takeaways for me was that right. how good of a read they had on what Liquid were doing. Yeah. Obviously, part of that is because Liquid inspired. were playing pretty, pretty poorly, but... I think Liquid are also quite a formulaic team. I think that's one of their big downsides right yeah. now is that you can really read what they're doing in every round, especially like this Haven composition. They just do the same stuff constantly it's it feels like it feels like liquids um approach right now is to have a weird comp to throw off their opponent or to give them like in terms of how they think about the strategy it's composition first and then trying to get the problem with comps like this is you have to use every piece working together mm -hmm. to get the value look at how quick fpx are to adjust in this round here with this pistol round they have their setup. They're initially trying to set up to take B on the pistol and try and get the plant down, but it goes wrong pretty quickly. They send in a knife, the player goes down. Look at how quickly they just immediately adjusted the C hit. They're already in there. The drone's coming in, and the players are following it in straight away off the bat. Mm. It's it's instantaneous in terms of just the quick decision to make it. And then oh, the dark comes nice through. They swing through at the same times, uh, and Liquid are just. That something wasn't clicking in this series. It was very evident. I actually had one of the um, the analysts. Bacon was in my chat when I was VOD reviewing this, and he was saying it was definitely kind of like this... Um, Bacon, uh, analyst for Liquid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, and then he was saying that, essentially, there was a bit of that mental component where they were feeling like their confidence knocked and every, everything wasn't really coming together for them. They did end up fixing that in the next match with, um, with Big, to a degree, but I still think there is those confidence problems because you can just pull up the, uh, the Team Liquid versus Big stat page, Kurt, on VLR, because I want, I want you to see the round history of Bind, um, I, I mean, I was watching this game <laughs> oh. and I was thinking, how in the fuck do Big make a comeback happen and bring it to OT? Uh, the answer is Twiston just started slanging. My man was just whipping it out and the table was vibrating. <laughs> like he was <laughs> slanging in the middle of this map. He was actually going hard. It was unbelievable. But Liquid got knocked off tilt a little bit. At the beginning, everyone's playing with confidence. They're winning so many aim jewels. But then there was a couple of shifts, a couple of key rounds, and then suddenly it felt like they just were a, a completely different team. They just couldn't really adjust to it. Like the momentum shifted round nine. Round nine was the big turnaround in this map, but it starts off so well for, for Liquid in terms of just playing off each other. You can tell that they came into it with a renewed mindset off the back of that FPX game because they really weren't playing 100% in that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah. there's still those, those weaknesses of the boomening, the boomening that's just infecting so many of these teams at the moment. It's still there. It's still present for Liquid. Yeah, it frustrates me watching Liquid at the moment because it feels like they've gone too far in the realm of trying to find comps that have cool ideas. And they tend to have one big idea with their composition that's, that makes it good. It mm -hmm. genuinely is. Like, there's, there's at least always one, 
normally two or three good ideas with their comp. But once it gets outside of those couple of good ideas, or once the opponent figures out how to work around one of those good ideas, then they don't have that level of strategic depth, it feels. And if you contrast that to their run towards the end of the year, where they looked nasty good, and they had the double op setups that they were working, and the, um, the way that they were using their compositions fluidly, I don't know, there, there, was, there was so much more depth to what they were doing at the end of last year, whereas now they feel a bit one-dimensional. It feels like we have a comp that does one thing really well, but it doesn't do everything really well. And it just, I, it just feels like such an issue to me right now. You know, because like if you're going to be the problem with prepping for all teams is that if you spend a lot of time creating strategies that are like deviating from the norm, you have to spend a lot more time hammering out the fundamentals of your comp and like hammering out your idea. And then you have, have that. Yeah. And they have that, right? But when it, but, like, when it fails, where's the rest of it? Yeah. When it fails, which they it did in that collapse. first match, they collapse is the big thing. The, you know, it's not that you can lean on the strength of your comp anymore because it was. And I, I think I said it on the last episode of the podcast, mm. didn't I? Talking about Team Liquid. I was like, how much of them playing these, the, the silly comps, as we call them, where they cook up these very unique compositions, how much of it of their success is basically just being carried from them being really good at the game and really sure. Uh, sure. amazing chemistry and team play? Like, is that carrying it forwards and giving them this false sense of confidence where they think the composition is actually working in some scenarios? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird one. Liquid, though sometimes do have these kind of runs where they uh obviously they're a good team but they just can't get it together i mean that was what happened it's for, a cycle uh, isn't it it is it's, it's just they cycle. they go from looking really good to trying some weird shit to the weird shit not working to them reverting back to the normal stuff slash dropping a player and getting somebody else in to go back to to dunking on people yeah the other thing as well like credit to big like they're likely to get relegated depending on gambit just winning a game but the fact that God B called against this composition where there's no way in hell that he was expecting something as batshit as this to come out from Liquid, <laughs> the fact that he called against it so well, and certainly the second half, the Neon found zero impact. Mm -hmm. Like, it was... Well, it's a shame yeah. to see Big being relegated to, to the promotions tournament where they have to play up against the regional leagues. But... Can you I'm explain how that works, actually, Lichman. Ryan? Sorry. Yeah. So um, there's there's eight regional leagues. I guess seven now, depending on what happens with like the CIS one. But um, there are various different tier two tournaments happening depending on what part of Europe you're in. So you've got the Northeast, which is like UK and Nordic. Spain has its own, which is South Europe. France, um, East, which I guess is sort of Lithuania and stuff like that. Turkey. Basically, there'll be a, a team crowned from each of those regions that's the best they'll get promoted to this promotions tournament. So let's say Alliance win it for the UK Nordic one. And it's footballists that win it in Turkey. They'll go up to play into a tournament with Supermassive Blaze, who got relegated from Group B, right. and pretty much likely to be big from Group A. Two teams will come out of that. It's kind of like for, for Overwatch fans, it's basically like the contenders like Gauntlet tournaments that used to be happening in the Tier 2 scene. So it's it, it should be a really good fun watch for them. But I still am a little bit concerned that not only Supermassive Blaze won't be able to bounce back, but Big won't be either, which is a shame considering how likable this roster is and how good they are with players like Obnox and Twiston. I think oh. it's just they couldn't get much going. And with everything going on at the moment, like it, it says a lot that FPX absolutely dumpstered on Team Liquid, then went on to lose against London United, who are also a team that 
is very good at like thinking on the fly. And yeah. to jump back to FBX real quick, they had to change up their map pool because they can't play the likes of Split and Bind when they don't have their IGL mid-rounding calls. So the fact that they just went onto maps like Ascent Haven kind of pugged it a little bit, let's be honest, and then still beat Liquidus dominantly is a huge red flag for me and Liquid at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. yeah. Big overarching takes, though, with this is like, I mean, FPX are... They're, they're a good team right now. If Artis feels like he's playing in his form when he was entering the scene, essentially. Um, it's Artis it was... against the team that he, you know, yeah, yeah. Came in that's with a good point, well. actually. Yeah. Um, but he feels like he's playing up to that kind of old form where he was he was really popping off way, 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 way back. I didn't think he was going to either. That was no, a, that's I thought he was. I, I thought he was just either. washed and done. But he's he's made this resurgence. Which... Him and Mixwell, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, impressive. Yeah, he, however, and just like. I was yeah. just going to say, like, Yampi was a real torrid performance from him. Like, I don't mind his chamber. I think that works a lot for him. And you've seen a lot of teams just go and move over to the chamber full-time, like G2, for example, when Mixwell's playing the chamber. Looks really good. It's a nice sort of direction that you can lean on with your comp that suits you. But Yampi just got completely diffed on the jet. And he was just doing the Yampi things where he dashes in, trying to close the distance, and it was super touch and go. I didn't like watching it at all, and... Yeah, I, I think Liquid still have enough about them to still qualify for Reykjavik, don't get me wrong. However, it does concern me that they have maps like Bind where they went from no duelist to running a neon composition. Yeah, Bind is so weird. Not looking convincing at all, you know? I, yeah, on, I think the, the, only, the only EMEA team that looks convincing right now, in my opinion, is Fnatic. Uh, G2 yeah. are starting yeah. to get my confidence back, and we haven't seen Gambit you know, now called M3 champions there. We haven't really seen them play. So, you know, I did like what I saw with, with Gambit. I'm kind of leaving them out of I that think conversation. I think Navi's a bit, like but... a dark horse in that conversation. We haven't Absolutely, seen them yeah. play enough, but I think Navi's actually kind of a dark horse in that conversation. Right. So Let, Let's talk about Gambit a little bit, though, because the big news, you alluded to it earlier, actually, Ryan, was that uh, the Gambit roster is going to resume playing again under this new name, Masters 3 Champions. So M3C is what I'm going to say, because otherwise that's a mouthful and it's confusing. <laughs> but it's called um, Mech. Yeah, Mech. so this, this is obviously coming off the back of the war that's happening in Ukraine, sanctions against Russian organizations um, that are, I mean, mostly the ones that are tied to government entities or oligarchs within Russia, but also it just has extended further than that as well. So I'm not exactly clued up on the ownership behind Gambit, but they've been uh, kind of sanctioned, if we want to use that word, in both CSGO and in Valorant now. There's been no official communication, I guess, from Riot, as far as I'm aware, that says riot forced this but it feels like obviously riot forced this because i feel like there's, even... there's no way gambit would just do this of their own volition yeah yeah it, it's a tricky situation as well and i i speak from somebody that like has no inside on this like because i'm working on the mea like but my assumption as well again my assumption not anything based is just that even we get to a point where say gambit do still qualify for Reykjavik. They won't be able to go. And any team that actually has a Russian player on it for visa issues won't be able to travel well, to Well, you say that. Play. That is, of course, a possibility. But one thing that G2 have been doing with Munzi in, um, in CS right now is trying to get him Serbian citizenship. And if you have Serbian citizenship, you, I believe, are not blocked by the visa sanctions that apply to Russian people in general. So Ru- Russian... Yeah. 
Russian individuals mm. are getting visas blocked because of the war that's currently going on. And yeah. I believe people are trying is... to maneuver around that by using Serbian citizenship. So that could be an option that they pursue. But you're right, it could just end up with yeah. this team that I think this roster is the best performing roster of 2021. They might not be there to be able to compete at Reykjavik. It's entirely possible. Sure. Yeah, especially with Ascend not qualifying for playoffs either, it would be weird to see the number one and number two teams in the world actually not be at the next international event out of it. Um, There's also the whole point of like, I think you can get around it from like traveling from other parts of Europe to Reykjavik, to Iceland. But it's not only about getting a, a visa in Europe, it also could be getting a visa in Iceland. I think you need like actual invitations to actually get there for the yeah, most they've... part so again it's it's something that like Fnatic brought in Otom as their substitute I'm pretty sure Guild of somebody that's subbing in as well that hasn't been confirmed or announced yet so I, it might be like a Brenny spot situation where even if somebody like Gambit or FPX or Navi do qualify for Reykjavik they won't be able to play, but will still get the points as if they were there to be attended. Much like Bren Esports for Masters Berlin last year for a whole different form of reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, I, been, um, it's been manic. I was looking at the uh, the sanctions, basically, that Iceland had right. put in against uh, Russia. They had like an agreement, I think, in 2008 to simplify the visa process. And obviously, since the Ukrainian war, they've just suspended all visas for Russian citizens. Um, across the board right and they've they've undone a lot of the streamlining for it right that's coupled on top of the fact that um it's hard to even travel outside of russia because flights have banned and stopped so it's logistically it might even mean that by the time if gambit even or if m3c do qualify there could be theoretically a world where they could go to Reykjavik if they managed to do all those jump through all those hoops that you were talking about earlier but I just don't know if they'd have the time at all to even get that yeah. done you have to probably quarantine as well I'd imagine for for a country like Iceland it's you know an island with a set amount of people and with COVID still being a thing it, I would imagine that like st- stuff like quarantining is going to be taken seriously because if somebody comes in with I don't know like Omicron of COVID and they don't take it seriously that's a whole island of you know, like a couple of thousand people all getting it, right? So yeah. it is a very nasty turnaround, even from like hearing for other talent that are going to Masters. It is a very sharp turnaround from like playoffs finishing to basically preparing to go to Reykjavik. So it's a, it's a tough old one. Doesn't though. Riot have its own rules too, besides, I, because they're not allowing oh, yeah. event, the crowds at Masters, right? So isn't it like a twofold process of both Iceland? Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. I don't think, I don't think so. Iceland itself is actually requiring quarantine. I think if. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I thought like most, I a lot of places throughout Riot. the world had dropped yeah, the majority yeah. of the restrictions at this point. It's just a Riot thing because Riot, they're having events with crowds <laughs> elsewhere. They're just not doing it for Masters. Do you, do you have auto gain on your mic? No. Uh, no. Is it in, but in, uh, in the program we use, in the webpage we use? I don't, I don't, I have, okay. I have never touched just, a digital setting to this microphone. You're just a man, okay? You're just too uh, much yeah, of a You're man, actually, Chad. You're, ver- you're very dank. <laughs> um, I don't know, I mean, I can turn down the gain a bit. It's all right, Kurt's, fine, fine. Kurt's got it on. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about this MTC roster in general, though. <laughs> can they make the playoffs? Like, is it even... Is it feasible for them to get to a position where these questions have to be asked? Um, we have their schedule coming up, so are we able to take a look at that, Kurt? Just the VLR page, basically, of the, the games that they've got. So they play against Na'Vi, who've also been on a break. 
Uh, they play against Big and London United. Would you expect, would you anticipate this team, given that all, given everything that's going on, still being able to make it? I think it's yeah. a, a big dampener, though, on motivation in terms of even qualifying. Um, because I've seen in, in the past, I actually do have a kind of equatable example, which is um, when we were covering Overwatch, there was a team that was playing in Europe, and with the COVID restrictions, they qualified, right. or like they were playing in the qualifiers, and they were looking yeah. like they could have made it. Right. But it's just a fact that if you know, if you know that you even if you qualify, you can't fly over, you can't make it to the event. It's it's a drag on your motivation, I think, to even push forwards mm. and actually you know do well in these matches. Obviously, I think I, I can't. I don't want to speculate too much on like their attitudes coming into these matches because they might be very driven and want to do everything that they can to make it there. But um, it's definitely a factor to consider that, I don't know, that it's, it's one additional thing at the back of your mind on top of the fact that you know, you're playing back-to-back-to-back matches. So you don't even get time to prep for each individual match. Yeah, that's a, uh, that is absolutely something to weigh up there as well. It's a very different format compared to having a full week to prep for your opponents. If you have a bad week, that's half i mean that's more than half that's <laughs> that's 60 percent of your games right so mm -hmm. yeah i don't think that we should really be using these results coming up next week to judge the m3c roster for the future i think that this is an extraordinary circumstance but having said that i would still consider them to be favorites in each of the individual matches i, I don't know about you uh, a lot as yeah. well but they yeah. are that quality of team where you would expect them Still, with everything going on, to win like two out of three, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, but, the only team. But it wouldn't that be crazy if they lost me. them all. You know, if they lost them all, you'd be like, all right, well, weird if they scenario lost them going all, on. They'd get relegated. If they lost them all, they would actually get relegated to the promotions tournament that I was talking Fuck about. Before, which would be in. Can you imagine? That, that would like, be the. That would actually. That would be. They'd just be brutal. smurfing. Yeah. yeah. Well, unless I, I unless do... they have to play the relegation tournament while other shit's still yeah, going on I mean, as in well. In which case, know? it's not smurfing; it's just unfortunate. But yeah, yeah. 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 and yeah, It'd I be... don't know what's going on with the regional league CIS, which has its own right. So, like, all of those games have been postponed, and for somebody that's like trying to actively keep up with them, I don't know if they've continued at all because of like focusing on the MEA. Yeah. I will say though, like knowing the the gambit, oh, the MEC guys, I got to get a practice that to make sure I don't see it on broadcast sure. tomorrow. But uh. It, it, it's one of these things where like they are very like focused and just want to play like obviously they are just a bunch of like nice guys with the approach like they've been very like supportive of everything going on at the moment for like ukrainians and their friends and stuff they play and work with a lot of like ukrainian players themselves but i would say as well they will have a bone to pick with the fact that their last official game they lost to fpx in two games that went to overtime or two maps that went to overtime that was a mad match I, I think from like doing my prep on them as well, their map pool's in a really interesting spot, all things considered, because their bind is looking a lot better overall, which was a map that they struggled a little bit with at Champions, like losing to Vikings, for example. Um, they're split. They haven't played since Champions. Uh, their Haven, they permabound a lot. Their Fracture looked really good from the brief bit of it that we saw from Champions. And Breeze, they're coming out with the whole Jet Chamber composition, which I think they were the first to do it. Uh, in that first week against Team Liquid. And then we start to see other teams, like I think the guards start to use that composition, right? It's similar sort of thing. So I think CIS is a region buff. Them and Navi are not so much invented in a lot of compositions. They might be taking it from like DRX Vision Strikers, similar sort of stuff there, right? Um, but they are bringing a whole new look to the game that is going to be very difficult to prep for if you are 
London and big, big especially. It's a major game for them to win, but it might not even matter if if MEC win their game tomorrow against Navi. Big are relegated. Doesn't really happen that much. Right, there. right. But it is terrifying, I think, for all of the teams because I got sent like the the official like permutations list to see who's going to qualify if X or Y happens. It is still up. There's a chance that we could have one to four all tied on wins and losses. <laughs> Like that, Dude, it's still I love so round robin with this group. <laughs> I'm the number one round robin hater. If I see if I see another Christmas card with a fat looking robin, I'm gonna fucking lose my mind. <laughs> round <laughs> robins. How many fucked. Christmas cards do you get with rotund robins? How Quite many? a few. Really popular yeah, in the UK. Yeah, it's really in the UK, very yeah. popular. I never symbolism. get any robin based paraphernalia. The the robin <laughs> in the UK is a slightly calendar. smaller, plumper bird. And it's um, boop, boop. it's very Christmas associated because they come out in winter and oh. they've got a beautiful flash of color. Oh, yeah, there you there go. There it is. Wow, they're, that yeah. is a very Robins. round robin. See, they're very spherical. Mm. Yeah. We only Fuck know you, round robin. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. I prefer the Swiss system. What? Eat a what dick, is, round robin. Is that okay. the? Um, is that why they call it round robins? No, I don't know why it's called round robin. Not a clue. Uh, let's go on to the predictions though. EMEA predictions for the quarterfinals. Uh, sorry. Well, not for the quarterfinals. In fact, for the. Uh, Bloody last end of the group last, stage. Last group stage so now who's got brain fog? I know, I know. Now Sorry. who's got it? My apologies there. So we only have two games to take a look at here because we aren't predicting each one of the M3C games. So these are the other big matches that are happening so far this week. So first one being Fnatic against Guild. This is the top team from Group B against uh, Guild who've been doing extremely well. Although lost the game to G2, and Bren has actually gone for Guild. I was really impressed with Fnatic. I I can't pray against them. They just dirk us on a hot streak. I refuse yeah. to do it. I have no real basis to put this on. I'm going to be honest with you. Yep, I've been working the NAVCT broadcast. All my prep and homework has been for EMEA side has been watching a bit of the, a bit of Ascent and Team Liquid and FPX. Right, right. Makes sense. And so off the back of this... I, I don't have too much to go off of. I mean, Honestly, I'm not saying it's not a silly pred, though. Guild, yeah, it's not I, think, I think Safe has looked incredibly good individually. And if they can really shut down Durka, that will be helpful. But Durka has so much more support than Guild, uh, than Safe does on the other side of things. And I think it's that's going to be a major difference maker. Boaster has just figured out a great way of maximizing his impact on KO. I, I really didn't believe in it, but. Brave. He's done so Brave well. Is with insane. It. Brave yeah. might be the best silver in the world when it comes to farm right now. And I know that there's like Trent and stuff, but like the, the playing of silver, usually we're so used to just seeing a cracked player like Trent, for example, play the silver and a utility can be, you know, decent, strong, nurse the shock that lineups. But Brave just brings something completely new. It is almost like Overwatch levels of mastering an agent <laughs> and character with what you can do, which is really exciting when you have Brave doing stuff like that. And then Nukie last week with the whole blast packing out of the way of a showstopper. I, mean, nuts, yeah. I was like, mm. this is Overwatch Central. I feel like I've gone back in time, but today, <laughs> like Miska sat next to me kind of thing. But it, it is kind of like a a real interesting look for this team. It's the map pool that I think gives Fnatic a big lean. They're going to ban out Breeze, likely, which is Guild's best map. Their icebox looks a lot stronger. The curious thing is, are we going to see Fnatic play Bind for the first time since August 2021? 
Fnaticu kind of wrote the book on how to Wait, play Wait, is that the map. last time they played Bind? Yeah, I can't That's... remember the name of the team that they played, Good but it was God. it was something ridiculous. It was an op- it was basically like qualifiers for stage three that they last played it. And That's they've mad. not been banning it out. It's just nobody plays it against them. It, it's well, the same they did like ban it against. Um, they banned it against Ascend, which makes sense, yeah, right? Which is but fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, and that's but fair. But else. Also, Boaster had been saying it at Champions that he wanted to play Bind against Ascend. He wanted his. He wanted his throne of best, you know, best team in the world on Bind back, uh, and then he banned it. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, you can talk, talk. the shit, but you don't want to actually go to Ascend versus Bind. It was it was you know? a good map pool anyway. They won the yeah. series, it's so like you can't. Ascend yeah. looks good. I think the the big concern for us on the desk when we had the Fnatic Ascend series was they're not picking Icebox against Ascend. They're picking Haven, which is them trying to yeah, exploit the map pool. The fact that like Ascend started to ban Fracture instead of Haven. Haven was kind of like their perma ban, much yeah. like Gambit's. And Fnatic just went straight to it. They went straight for the throw, and then they just completely took that series convincingly, and then still managed to play it on Ascent, which again isn't a. It's never been a great Fnatic map. It used to be their worst, I think, in play, uh, but still were able to look that good on those kind of maps. And then you have their fracture, like their breeze. They just ban out, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if they feel comfortable to pick it out at some point. This is the best of Fnatic I think have looked ever, considering that they were known as being a LAN team, right? Online, they look this good. I just I know hope it's, that there's it's nuts, a world where we can see. Yeah, I, I just hope that there's a world where we can see Fnatic qualify and Brave AF does get to go play at LAN in Reykjavik, right? I oh, hope that that's oh. something that can happen because it is crazy to sort of think about how this has scoped out since the start, and it feels yeah. like it's gone in the blink of an eye this whole stage. Yeah. Okay, the next game that we've got coming up is uh, Clash of the CIS teams. It's Na'Vi playing against FPX. Who have we got in this one, then? Uh, myself and Bren going for FPX, and then Ryan and Connor going for Na'Vi. Um, Connor, why, why have you taken the, the Na'Vi train here? I am a big believer in Navi. I'm not gonna lie. After I've watched a couple of their matches, I actually think we are we like their talent is fucking crazy. And but we don't we don't we we I don't know exactly. Now I will admit FPX when I made this prediction, I hadn't watched all of FPX's match. Yeah, and I still haven't watched all of FPX's match. I've watched like a map of it, but I'm like, okay, they're looking pretty good. I will say, but I actually still believe in Navi um, pretty heavily. I think I I really liked the look that they have when they're play- when they have JD on the KO. I overall like their entire squad is looking pretty cohesive. I think they have a lot of fragging power, and I'm still not totally sold on on fpx maintaining like huge like maintaining consistently high form especially after their loss to london um i'm just not i'm not sold on them maintaining like super high form because like watching their match versus big to now they're a couple few matches in the middle and then losing to london recently i'm like does it stay like i'm not sure and then like i don't are are they're still not gonna have angel right yeah i don't know about that ryan do you know any any more about that is that one of the reasons that you went for navi um yeah Pretty much. Um, yeah. I, I think that nobody was really expecting them to beat Liquid, which says a lot more about Liquid and FPX. Like, I think Paddy G coming into the roster doing great is really nice. It reminds me of when he was on Ballista and just doing stupid stuff then. But the fact that like FPX weren't able to win out against London didn't surprise me. I think it's just a case of like teams can kind of look at a map pool and go, okay, yeah, if FPX are taking away some of those like heavy 
mid-round call-in execution-focused maps instead of your havens in a sense where you can just find an opening and then just make a call. It just feels that this is a heavily nerfed FPX, and I want to see them continue to play and do well. But I also think that it would benefit them a little bit as well to kind of like be safe in stage one, prep for stage two, and hope that the world is in a much better like place by the time the stage two rolls around that Angel can play and is in a position to. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. one of those cases where like Valorant feels minuscule in comparison for this team that is dealing with a hell of a lot at the moment. Um, and they're obviously going to be a miss with a stand in a Navi as well. Like Avast said, they're a dark horse to potentially do a lot of work and they have their own spin on how they play the game. Certainly with their main focus around JD's KO, playing it on five out of seven of the maps. I think those kind of plays could do a lot for not only their chances in playoffs, but actually going to Reykjavik if that is a, a possibility, mm. right? If they're able to play, I think some teams are going to struggle with how Navi operate as a system because it's very different to how the rest of the world seems to work overall yeah like the patch shift would be really interesting for them to see like duno go over to like omen and brim potentially for this team and how that changes like because i feel like when they have like more flashes available and can play even more heavily around like this entry style at times it's going to be really interesting to see like navi moving forward on a different path we've already shown a bit of like double flashing yeah yeah i think i i I truly do i i have like a strong belief in navi that they're just gonna pop off uh what can we look at the recent games that Navi's played real quick, Kurt? Just to, because I made a mental note of like their map tendencies or their pick bands, but I've immediately forgotten it because again, just I, the, I got you. I'm I, always literally. pushing away the ever the ever encroaching brain fog. <laughs> <laughs> Do not go gently into the night, Bryn. <laughs> the brain fog night. I think Navi tend to uh, band towards their opponents, right? Yeah, the, it's funny actually. The, the, the interesting stat about it is. They've played three series so far. They've banned out a different map each time. They've picked a different map each time. Yeah. And they've second banned a different map each time. They're there, very... They're comfortable across different maps. Like FPX yeah. do the same um, when they're very like selective of we can play anything and not only can we play all of the maps, we could play different comps on different maps depending on who we're playing against, which I would think is a bit hubris. I think it's maybe making things hard for yourself, but... That's fucking FPX for you. Like, surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, Navi's sort of similar, right? It, it's just that where I think it could be a really interesting series to watch both these guys play and, like, two CIS teams. Um, well, sorry, I'm just thinking of their game against, like, uh, M- Mech. I guess. Yeah. That's going to be really interesting to see just how they approach the game, right? But with there being a new patch on the horizon, it's more a case of, like, we're going to see some of the strategies that they might have held on to if we were still into an Astra Viper meta going into playoffs, right? So I'm curious to see how much that extends and what they're leaning towards in the future, right, with Brimstone and Omen. I, I don't know if the pick bans... I, I feel like it does tilt it a little bit to Navi's favor, but I can't deny what I watched in the VOD of FPX where uh, Artis is on this unreal form right now of his jet play. I think, for, for whatever reason, I wasn't expecting it, but Shao in the IGLing, even if he is IGLing, um, I have confidence in them as much as like Liquid were making it easy for them with their reads. I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like they've they've done really well to adjust, and it was one of the big takeaways for me was that was that just their their grasp of the game on a macro sense of what was going on at any given mm-hmm. time and how to play around it. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, that's the main reason I'm going with FPX. Uh, Bren, you've got a segment coming up. 
I do have a segment. It's not really a segment. It's more just a shout out. Well, I don't know what it shout is. Shout out so. to all my fans. That's why. No, it's not that. The, the, this is a little call to action for all the viewers, actually, because we want to get you involved in the show a lot more. Okay. And we want to get you involved big time to compete against Whoa. us. Whoa. So we are going to do okay. a viewer predictions to compete against us. So there you are. You're on your laptop, possibly watching Plat Chat. There's you, and you've even drawn a picture around... This. Oh, we're here! Hello! Look, hey. at your, look at your cute chubby cheeks! Hi, little Timmy! <laughs> Would you like to pred against us? Well, we are going to do, essentially, a match of the week. We're going to post it on our Twitter. And we're going to post the, what we think is the match of the week, the one to watch for. And that Twitter poll, you can vote on that. And that will be the collective community vote in terms of what you guys are trending towards. And so, you can prove, we can see as well as we're tallying up all the preds, you can follow our Twitter, obviously, at Platchat Podcast and check it out there as we post the match of the week when it happens. Uh, and you'll compete against us. You know, we'll keep the tally. Mm -hmm. We'll keep it going. And we'll see if, you know, it's essentially like the armchair analyst versus the armchair analyst. Exactly. You know, we, and then if you guys beat us, you can take my job. <laughs> you can take a spot on the on the podcast. Yep. If you beat, if you beat, also don't you dare pump up the interaction on that one. Don't you don't go too crazy. <laughs> but I do. Don't go too crazy on that one. Don't be. Don't you be engaging don't retweet with us too, it too much. Don't retweet or like it or nope. comment on the tweet too I often. Love, I love. I love reverse engineering these guys. <laughs> this is subtle. This is subtle work. And the match of the week is Sentinels versus the Guard, right? That's I, the one we decided on. Yep. Sentinels and v. the Guard. So what did what, what the hell did we predict for Sentinels Guard? Well, I picked Sen. You, the rest of you picked Guard. You, yes, picked, uh, you yeah, picked yeah. Sentinels. Yeah. The rest of us picked the Guard. So either way, you're going to beat somebody. Chat, okay? we're, we're going to look so smart. Does <laughs> we're going to look so smart, chat. We're going to look so I smart. Think, I think because who like Bala's got a really good like prediction rate right now. Yeah, I think, I think Bala he, is in I the lead right be. now. I think he's currently the highest. I'm second. Then no, Josh is second now, and now I'm. Third, I yeah. think it should be if if the community win, they get all of Bala's right predictions. They like swap their win rates. Mm, <laughs> Bala has I to see. start again. <laughs> Why, why, why are we punishing Bala? <laughs> it should this? be Bren, if anybody. He's we should pick good. on the pick on the weakest, the the runt of the, the litter. I am the I am the weakest of the pack right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there you, you go. You know there's, they can't build engagement. orangutan enclosures in squares. Yes. Yes, because they pin the other orangutans in yep, the corner. They and have to build them, them circular. Them. Right, but what has yeah. that got to do with? With it's because matches. the plat shirt. It's because the plat shirt house is also circular. circular. We're gonna start because talking about it's that, jumping it's the and pack mentality. We've got. You're start, Lego. You, you guys are gonna start posturing me into the corner of the house <laughs> if my friends get too bad. <laughs> no, because you have the new plat shirt compound. It's gonna be a dome. It's gonna be totally circular. So I, so I can escape. I can <laughs> just run around and circle. <laughs> you can just run around. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we will have a Twitter post for you to vote on. And also a community post on YouTube. So if you're not a Twitter user, then there'll be a community we'll post for that as YouTube? well. Uh, I don't yeah. know whether the, there'll be a poll there, but there'll be some kind of post. Mm. Kurt's on it. Yeah. All right, Kurt's if the there are polls on YouTube, I'm not doing it on YouTube, but yeah, I think there might be. Well, not, just Twitter then. There, there's the definitely polls on YouTube. The poll will be run on Twitter, but there will be also a YouTube post videos. on the community post. What, yes. sorry? You remember when, the, like, old YouTube, there used to be polls in YouTube videos. Like, in the top right, you used to have little polls oh, for that. Oh, I You do have them in the community. When was, when was that again? I don't Ryan, remember you've been that. on YouTube a lot longer than we have, and you're much more successful than hair. we are. So <laughs> we don't really remember that kind of stuff, because we would have never used it anyway. <laughs> it's just, I, I was, was making TF2 highlights at that point. It was the key to my point. success. It was the key to my success. All right. 
So, our final segment, the most important segment every week, it's Wyatt's Weekly Award. Dude, where's my res? Oh, hey. Didn't see you there. Wyatt's Weekly Award. Beautiful. I miss him. <laughs> I, miss I miss him, him. too. Sometimes I, I can still hear him cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I can still... <laughs> Sometimes it's almost oh. like I can see him in my dreams. Directly it's like he still across lives from us. There. <laughs> okay, Wyatt's Weekly Award. Listen, I've conferred with Wyatt this week. Have you? Oh my. Have you? <laughs> I haven't, and he's. Oh about to shit! Oh my, Dr. Valorant! Is that Dr. Whoa. Valorant's music? Here he is. Who's it going to, Josh? And I'll, I'll rate it. I'll rate it like your pick. I'll let mm. you know if it's shit or not. Just what? All right, squeeze, squeeze on camera. Squeeze on Get on camera. in. Yeah, make sure. To, uh, there we go. There we okay. go. We moved over to the side. Here's here's who I was going to give it to. Right? Here's here's who I was going to give it to. So I'm looking at the games that happened at the moment. Right this week, and I think the most impactful player, somebody that we haven't really highlighted recently, but is one of the best players in the world right now, is Leaf. For C9. So, I could have given it to Nookie. In my head, it, this week, it was between Look, Nookie and Leaf. I think they're both up there in, like, top players in the world currently. But I went for Leaf, because he fucking dominated the guard. Uh, where, where does that rank in a, out of 10? I actually think that's a pretty good one. Oh. I, actually, oh, no, I, go. I don't know where it ranks out of 10, but I actually oh. think that's a pretty good one. Because, okay. you know, Cloud9, they've just been... They've just been skating through the group. Not a lot of attention paid to them. They've just been really good the whole time, and then... You know, they go up against the toughest competition. Leaf gives you just a little bit of a reminder as to how good he's actually, how good he actually is at the game. I mean, he's just too good. He dominated the guard, and uh, everybody is now reminded that Cloud9 are probably going to make it to Iceland with ease. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if that's what you guys predicted, but uh, yeah, it definitely seems teams. like Cloud9 and V1 are poised to mm. make it to Iceland with relative ease at this point. I mean, unless... Optic hit that uh, hit, hit their form, but with some consistency. But. Leaf has over one KPR in the last 30 days. What is that? 1.07 on Jet. That's just, oh my god. In the past 30, it's 1.12. That's just nuts. The dude's a freak. He really is. Yeah, that's he fucking is. bonkers. And also, he's one of the players that can actually flex to other things and not just like flex to other things because like well i can pick the other agents but he actually picks them and plays them well and still. wants to play them so it's yeah uh, he's not agents, a, hasn't he played at this point Look yeah at, like, uh yeah, he's, he's not an everything. ego player it's not like he wants to be on the most impactful role he's like playing quirky shit to help the team just a light reminder of how good this dude is but yeah cloud nine looking yeah. nice good pick josh i'm okay with that one actually this is a good week wow. for a leaf pick i'm not mad at that i'm gonna go Finish cooking my lunch. <laughs> wow. Four to five Dr. Valorant's approved. Uh, Wyatt's been cooking his lunch now for the last four weeks. He just, he just keeps cooking his lunch, dumping it, thinking I need some different lunch. That's where he's been for the last four weeks, is just trying oh. to figure out the perfect lunch. He's becoming a chef. He's just yeah. hard. He's just mastering He, he doesn't realize craft. that Bren has already invented the perfect lunch with his peri-peri mayo and whatever the fuck true, else actually. you put in there. Do you oaks, toast oaks that bread, Bren? Do you toast uh, it? You toast the bread. Uh, it's too much work. 
Okay, so over... you don't toast the bread on the perfect sandwich? <laughs> I went over to his place. Something. It's even worse than that, Connor. I went over to his place, and he offered me a sandwich, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'd love a sandwich, thank you. So he's all right, okay, I've got the peri-peri mayo, I've got the oak-smoked cheddar, and then he gave me a slice of bread, then the butt of the loaf. So it's the chewy fucking end of the loaf that's small as well. It's about that big, just plopped on top of a normal slice. Yeah, it's well, very it would be fine looking. if it was toasted. If it was toasted, it would be fine. No you, toast. You would be paying like 25 euros in a Paris bakery for that. <laughs> no, so you would not. No, talking. you would not. Yeah, you would. In Germany, that's a delicacy. I could not find a meal like that anywhere. It's just fucking salami here. That's all they do is just salami <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Driving me insane. They have the, mm. what is it, the, the Schweinfleisch or whatever. Like the, I've, whatever it was like, that's like pork. It was like, that's what Nuki was telling me, the C9GM. She was telling me it was like, Something flesh, like swine sh- flesh or something like that. It's like that's pork. Swine flesh yeah. is like pig flesh. Yeah, but no, it was um, like pork, but it's like pork or whatever. I don't know. But then she tried to, she got, she tried to make me order that in Germany, pork that, with that name. And I was like, I don't think that's right. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's the right word. Meatsal's <laughs> pretty nice. Okay, well, that does it for episode 83. Uh, do you have any further updates about Indiana Jones, uh, the Lego series that you want to share with us to end uh, this? Color? The game is fucking broken on steam and everyone's make, making like we're bad at lego indiana jones Actually, jaws and i were not i have a call to action for the viewers on top of the already existing call to action oh yeah if you guys can think up any glitchless out and wrong routes for any percent runs <laughs> hit me up uh, i'm trying to i'm trying to cook up a path right now it's the only mm-hmm. thing i can think of right now yeah we're gonna start an elden run podcast so uh yeah elden run the elden run the elden uh, run yeah. Mm. All right. We'll see you for episode 84 then, where we'll be discussing the playoffs and all of those quarterfinals matches and looking back over them. Uh, we'll start seeing the other regions as they head into playoffs too. I mean, we didn't touch on it this week, but Korea, Brazil, all of those playoffs are starting start to begin to as well. Up. So it really Not do be starting to day. heat up. No, there's no way you can keep up with all of the Valorant. We'll Literally. have to keep having different guests on like Ryan. And yeah, Ryan, thanks, thanks for joining for, us this week. For, Thank you, Ryan. Really appreciate you it. Actually, we have copied your homework. Yeah, we um, had to we, we had fine. to copy your homework. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. People mute the desk anyway, so this is the, the chance <laughs> I can actually get the news out. So nah, perfect. Hold for it. Thank Bogus. you for teaching us about YouTube polls as well. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, we'll catch you next week. Mail. We'll catch you next week. Goodbye.